So the two big stories today happened earlier. The Trump indictment is suspended. I don't know exa exactly why, but the grand jury was sent home again, which means there will not be any movement this week. I don't know if that means there won't be an indictment, but it's starting to look like Donald Trump won. And the reason this is significant, as much as I'm, I'm kind of over talking about it to a certain degree, this is the follow up. We've been talking about it all week. We were worried that Donald Trump would be arrested, the first president, former president in history to be arrested on some kind of criminal charge. But it's look like, it looks like Donald Trump calling it out, creating a press storm, likely put pressure that resulted in this going away. I think that if Donald Trump didn't say anything, then it likely would have happened because there was no pushback. Now, a bunch of these more, I don't know, middle of the road conservative types are calling Trump a grifter over it. He raised $1.5 million, probably more. I think Trump did the right thing. The other big news is that Carrie Lake has won her appeal. Now, the corporate press, once again, is saying Carrie Lake loses most of her appeal. And it's like, what does it mean losing most? Oh, you mean she filed, filed an appeal with a bunch of arguments and they actually accepted some of it? Yeah, that's big. Signature verification is being kicked back to the lower court for re-review. It's, it's moving forward. I don't know how far it'll get. Maybe the lower court will just say screw off because they're not going to want to listen to it. But potentially, if this goes back to the lawsuit, if this goes back to actually addressing signature review issues, then something might happen. Perhaps they actually have to go and review the signatures and then start disqualifying them. I don't know for sure, but we'll talk about it. And then we got a whole bunch of crazy news about layoffs. Apparently, Indeed is laying off people. We've got Walmart shutting down stores and laying off people. Stores are no longer carrying eggs. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's basically what we do here. And it looks like the economy is starting to get pretty bad. So before we get into all that, head over to TimCast.com. Click that Join Us button and become a member to support our work directly. Once you do, you'll get access to uncensored members-only shows, which go live Monday through Thursday at about 10, 10 p.m. at TimCast.com. And you'll get access to our members-only Discord server. If you've been a member for at least six months or you sign up at the $25 level, you, have, you will have access to the call-in portion of the show. We can only really do about three, four, maybe five call-ins per day because it does take like 20 minutes to go through all those calls. But it is probably the coolest thing that we do all day. I mean, it's my favorite part of the day at this point. We just started doing it. It was Ian's idea. It's brilliant. It's really cool to hear from you guys when you do call in. We screen callers. We try and get the best uh, questions that we can. And then you're actually on the show. So become a member and join in because I think... This is the, one of the most valuable things that we can do for you guys in terms of getting access to the guests and us, as well as building community. But also, head over to TrashHouseRecords.com and pre-order our new song, Bright Eyes. As you can see, it's not, it says zero songs right here because it comes out tonight at midnight. So if you order it now, it counts towards our next week of sales. And here's why this is important. Maybe you like our music. I really do appreciate it. Maybe you support our cultural endeavors. I appreciate that a whole lot as well. We have been banned by Bandcamp for no reason, and it's probably, probably just because they don't like us politically. They do not want us getting a foothold in cultural spaces. Well, sad news for them. We don't need them. For now, we're using Amazon, which is not perfect, but we do have alternatives where we're going to pick up more song sales, uh, other websites that will be uh, live this coming week. The last three songs, and yeah, well, that's too bad. So pre-order the song if you want to help us stick it to the man once again. If you like the music that we produce, we will keep producing more. With the rollout of this song, we are starting to gear up into getting on, uh, getting new artists and more artists and expanding beyond just the four songs that we'll have released so far. So again, TrashHouseRecords.com. Don't forget a video production company that produces content 
designed to reach people outside of our tribe. We want to turn new people onto liberty. I'm also the host of Kibbe on Liberty on Blaze TV. Right on. Thanks for coming. I'm looking <laughs> at the stream. The stream like went down for a second for some oh, reason. Welcome back. Oh yeah, we yeah. Got F's in the that, chat. I, I, and and I, I, for for the people who are watching live, stream going down has to be on YouTube's end, not ours, because everything we got going is good. So we'll just we'll just carry on. Yeah. What was that? So it's free the people. Freethepeople.org. And yeah, yeah, they might have missed your intro there. Just give them a quick rundown again oh, of that. Well, I'm going to give a longer version because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's so much cool. Go deep. Uh, Matt Kibbe, president of Free the People. Uh, Free the People basically produces video content designed to reach people out of our tribe. We want to turn on a new generation to the values of liberty and cooperation. We want to get into that cultural space where I think most people live. And I'm also the host of Kibbe on Liberty on Blaze TV. What was the recent documentary you guys did? Uh, the most recent one, well, the one I was talking about is, was one about Thomas Massey called Off the Grid with Thomas Massey. We made it three or four years ago, and it's about the, the down-to-earth values of someone that lives off of the land. He built his own home by hand from materials that he found on his farm in Kentucky. He, he's a 100% green guy because he likes the independence of not being dependent on the government who can flip off the switch. And, and that was uh, recently featured in the New York Times as, as an example of this new generation of conservative libertarian Republicans who are reaching a, a people outside of, our, uh, outside of our tribe. There's a lot of disaffected uh, uh, liberals who love the environment. <coughs> or they want to live that green life. And Massey has a more compelling story than that one-size-fits-all authoritarian we're going to force you all to live and eat fake meat. Dig it. Word. Let's uh, carry on with the introduction. Yeah. Santa Claire's um, hanging out. Hi, I'm Hank Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. I'm Ian Crossland. Love you guys. And uh, I'm Surge.com. Let's do it. Let's jump into the first story. We got this one from the Daily Mail. Quote, they tell us to be peaceful. Trump issues another threat and tells Soros-backed animal Alvin Bragg to drop the Stormy Daniels case as grand jury is canceled for the rest of the week and questions grow about looming indictment. Manhattan grand jury members were told not to show up to court on Thursday. Sources tell DailyMail.com prosecutors are having trouble convincing the jury to indict Trump over hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. Trump is expected to fly to Waco, Texas on Saturday for a campaign event. Trump's also raised $1.5 million off of it. I think he's done absolutely the right thing. I think he's doing the right thing by continually calling this out. And I think only because he called it out are they backing down. So they don't convene the grand juries on Friday. That's what I've seen reported, which means not Monday, not Tuesday, not Wednesday, not Thursday. Every single step of the way, it's been kicked back. And now we don't even know if it's going to happen. So well, how does, so they get a chance. They want to convince the jury. But if they can't convince the jury, I think that means that they lose the case. I don't think that means you get to keep trying to convince them every day. But is there some legal precedent where you're allowed to be like, you don't believe me yet? All right, we'll see you again tomorrow until they break the jury and make the jury go the way they want them to. Grand juries are not prosecutions. All they're doing is trying to get an indictment. So it's a preponderance of evidence. Hey, here's a picture of a guy near a crime scene. He may have done it. We've got a bunch of evidence. We want to bring it to trial. Okay, indict him. And the jury's like, no, nah, it's not enough evidence. So they're like, okay, well, we'll come back tomorrow and see if you change your mind. And if you don't change your mind, we're going to bring you back every day until you maybe change your mind. Like, what is this? What kind of duress is that to put a jury under? If they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. Yes, I think there's exculpatory evidence that outright proves Donald Trump didn't do it, and they're desperately trying to do this anyway. 
But I think that Donald Trump calling this out and saying they're trying to arrest me is what caused this to basically start breaking apart. High level of media scrutiny, political scrutiny. Alvin Bragg is probably sweating it. He issued a letter, sent it to, to Congress. I have a feeling that come next week it probably won't happen. Not to mention, I'm willing to bet when Democrats saw the news that Trump raised $1.5 million in three days, they were like, dude, you got to stop doing this. Yeah. Like, I know it's good for your career and all, but you're, you're, you're filling his, his, his war chest. I think, he, I think this guy learned what every Republican primary opponent of Trump learned the hard way in 2016, which is this, this is what Trump is good at. This is um, feeding the narrative. Like Trump is the headline all week long. And, and he's both playing the victim and kicking this guy's ass at the same time <laughs> and raising a bunch of money. And, and I think the, the, the call came down from somebody and said, you're helping this guy and you're getting killed. You better stop. So it, it's, it's politics. It's, it's not a legal thing at all. It's about, it's about the narrative that they wanted to create. And this is what Trump is a master at. That's why I think he came out and said ahead of time, it was such a skillful move to come out and say, they're going to arrest me next week. Because if he doesn't get arrested, his base is like, cool, that sounds good. If he gets arrested, they're enraged. They can't believe that this is happening to him. And uh, the element of surprise that we've talked about a little bit, the perp walk photo that I think a lot of left-leaning journalists would have really liked to have published, it's gone, right? It doesn't have the same meaning. And so really Trump has come out as the winner in this this scenario to the detriment of the Democrats. Like they they completely miscalculated how he would handle the situation. I, I wonder if it's that Alvin Bragg is this low-level nobody. You know, it's like, imagine you're the CEO of this big company and you're about to do a big merger deal or some big buyout, and then the janitor throws a water balloon at the other company's president. You're like, what are you doing? You're going to, oh, what is this? Like, so Bragg is this nobody, and he's like, I want to be famous. I'm going to indict Trump. And the Democratic leadership is like, what is this guy doing? He is making Trump's base fervent. He is riling them all up, filling his war chest. And then I wonder if he got a phone call and they were like, you need to stop. See, I wonder if... Absolutely happened that way. Yeah. Well, I also (laughs) wonder if uh, the New York AG, Letitia James, initially was like, we've got to move forward. We've been investigating Trump for like three years at this point. You know, someone has to bring charges against him. Alvin, you do it. And then it all backfired. She's like, stop immediately. You're making us all look bad. Like, he's kind of being thrown to the wolves, too. I would hate to be him right they, now. They would do that? I, I No, probably what? not. This is just my crazy conspiracy theory side. It's about um, justice. Also, yesterday, oh, we, yeah. we talked about it, and Michael Cohen is apparently the one that paid Stormy Daniels 125 grand. Trump is, from the evidence I saw yesterday, there was no evidence of Trump paying her anything. So maybe there is evidence of that that I haven't seen. No, there's, yeah, so my Cohen, understanding is there's no evidence. That's the, and what they're doing is that, Cohen paid the money, and then in the legal bills that Trump paid is a comparable amount of money. And they're like, ah, that proves it. And it's like, no, it just proves that Cohen lied. And he went to jail for it because mm-hmm. he's a liar. That's what he does. There were some great AI perp walk photos of Trump, which make him look badass, I'll be honest. Because you, he's like screaming and fighting with the cops and like getting... Have you seen those? Did you guys yeah, see those? Yeah, I did. But Hilarious. did you see the AI photos of Obama, Fauci, Biden being arrested? I saw the I saw Fauci. something about Hillary Clinton. Those, I got a weird feeling inside when I saw those photos. These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. 
America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Yeah, it's like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh-oh. That's the AI being like, plug in. The world that you no, want is no, just no. a click away. <laughs> no, the warm, fuzzy feeling was like, you know, could there exist a world where it's like there's a picture of Obama and he's and the cops are grabbing him and pulling him and he's like fighting. And I'm like, wow, it makes me so sad. And at the same time, like seeing that photo, knowing it's not real, it's kind of a weird, warm, fuzzy sadness because, you know, like Obama should be in jail. He should be arrested and criminally charged. And it's never going to happen. I don't think he should. <laughs> what? Because he was he the killed a kid, dude. Yeah, but he was president when he died. I don't care. What? That makes it okay? Yeah. Well, what? Technically, yeah. Would you feel that way if you hit someone like while drunk driving while with the president? What if no, Obama right? walked out to Fifth Avenue For, and just shot a kid in the face? And then it would be like, well, he's a president. He can do it because he's the president. Like, if, no, no, murder would be a different thing. But ordering a drone strike that collaterally kills an American kid as collaterally? The no, 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 no. You no. targeted him. What, 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 Ian, Ian, what, what did the drone Actually, target? no, you're right. I think he targeted a war criminal's son because he wanted to kill his family no, member. No, no, full stop. What, where was the country? What, which country was the drone strike uh, uh, in? I think it was in, it was in the Middle East. Uh, I mean, this was it. Yemen? Yemen. Have we ever been at war with Yemen? Well, the Saudis are at war with Yemen. Have we ever we been at war with Yemen? Have know. we, the United States, declared war no, on Yemen? Not that I know of, no. Okay, and what, what was the target in Yemen? I don't know, a restaurant. A civilian restaurant. So there is no circumstance where Obama is innocent in this. I don't, I mean, when you're the president and you're in control of the military and you have a war enemy and you want to kill his family members. We are it's not like, at oh, war with Yemen, so, Yemeni well, civilians. I agree. We're, we haven't been at war since World War II. Yes, but we're not, like, you can make the argument that, well, you know, in Iraq and Syria, there's a, there's a war going on with an, a, there's an AUMF. The Congress authorized these of military, military force. Obama was like, or uh, what's this uh, country we're going to be blowing up? Uh, it's Yemen, sir. Are we at war with them? No. Uh, and what's our target? It's a civilian restaurant. Blow them up. Get it done. What? what? There's literally no circumstance where that, not is, a, there's, that is not a capital offense. I, 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 I'm sorry. That's worse. If Barack Obama walked out in the street with a gun and shot a kid, that is not nearly as bad as ordering a drone strike on a civilian restaurant using the might of the American military. A multi-million, how much does a Hellfire missile cost? To blow up- 600 grand or something, more to, than that? More, more, millions. To blow up a bunch of civilians and an American citizen? That would be like Obama getting a, a, a group of military, a, a group of soldiers and ordering them to open fire on a Little League baseball game or something. Well, what about dropping napalm on villages in Vietnam? All of that is bad, dude. But you don't imprison and the guy, the commander. No, no, no. Listen, we, they're, they're, everything that happened in Vietnam was complete BS. And yes, but the, the commander is not the president. OK, yeah, so a, there is there is an issue of the banality of evil. 
And if someone is ordered to drop napalm on, on civilians, yeah, I'm going to be in favor of them going to prison. You do not get to be like, but my boss told me to do it. And if Barack Obama is like, I'm going to rubber stamp blowing up civilians, I'm going to be like, well, then you could go to jail. So if they want to come out and complain about Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels, my response is this. Wow. Donald Trump committed this crime, you think? OK, we're going to have to arrest him. I think you should get the maximum for this misdemeanor. Yeah, 11 months and 30 days. Donald Trump, no, 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 don't, Matt, don't give me that look. He has to go. And then afterwards, we'll send Obama, Obama to prison for life for the execution okay. and murder of, of children. But and what about like, see, but you're, fire you're letting a lot of politicians off the hook because I come from the there, school of thought that <laughs> all politicians are criminals and particularly all chief executives have committed war crimes against humanity. So while we're arresting people and imprisoning them, let's, let's grow the list. Let's not shrink it. Who do you want to add? I... We, we were talking about before Who the don't show. I want to ask? <laughs> we, but we were talking about this before the show, and I mentioned this, and you were like, I'll take that compromise. Yeah. Like, I, I like Trump, but I will gladly accept him getting a few months on a misdemeanor charge if it means Obama gets life in prison for, for the things that he did. <sighs> there's, there's no excuse. There's no, but he was in charge of the military. Dude, if I ask someone to hold my weapons for me, you know, like, I'm going to put you in charge of, of, of the weapons in this house. Use it responsibly. And then he goes, okay. And then he grabs it and starts shooting a kid with it. I'd be like, okay, you're going to jail. Like, we're going we're gonna to stop you and lock you up. We did not entrust you with our military arsenal so you could go and blow up civilians in a country we are not at war with. End it, of story. It was the, the son of a terrorist. So it was like a war attack. It was like a war attack. It, it happened to be in Yemen, but that's where the kid was. Like if the kid went to Jersey, you know, we'll look out. Oh, okay. So you're saying that he probably been he assassinated died because he's the child and a, a minor well, child of a it's terrorist. It's war. I don't like war, but I mean that's how war functions. I, I think what he's no, saying. No, no, it, no. Like, dude, you kill the enemy's family. I mean, that's a tactic. What of he's war. saying is that Barack Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize. So stop it. That's yes. true. Like, what about he's the firebombing of guy. Dresden in Germany? Was that should they have been executed? Should Isaac, who was it? The president Truman was he? Why are you it? conflating active warfare with declarations and, and, and the world involvement with a country is not at war with us, but Obama wanted to send a message. So he executed an, Amer an American citizen by blowing up a civilian restaurant like th there's there's no comparison. What's the war on terror? OK, so imagine if Barack Obama got mad at the Mexican drug cartels. So him and his buddies got a bunch of fully automatic rifles, went to the home of a bunch of uh, Hispanic children who were who were uh, uh, friends with or had grown up with these cartel members and started shooting a bunch of kids. Well, sorry, that's that's the war on drugs. Obama had no choice but start shooting kids in the face. If the if American Dude. government went to war with the cartels, you better believe family members will start dying. In the in the United States, you are you are making the argument that we should not criminally prosecute Obama because the extrajudicial assassination of an American citizen in a country we're not at war with is justified because that was the son of someone we were targeting in a different country. I, 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 I think if you start prosecuting presidents for war crimes after every every president would go to prison and then, <laughs> yes. and then they wouldn't be able to do their job. It's like telling a cop they can't Dude. get rough with their with the guy they're arresting. It's at some point okay, you got to okay. let the president do war. No, no. I mean, it's no. the commander in chief of the military. What do you go? You just want to end, just let other people win the war? I mean, what do you... So I don't know what Abdulrahman Al-Awlaki was doing that was helping these terrorists win any kind of war other than drinking coffee and having to have been related to a guy. No, man, they sent a message to the dad. They oh, to kill right, right. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, it's called a war crime. Look, in war, there, there is a reason why we have... I, I think war crimes are a silly concept, right? Because it's like if you're at war, you're trying to win. 
But there is a difference between tactics and retribution, you know? So, like, if we were to, if, if, if the United States was like, we're going to stop ISIS by any means necessary, and then they did a whole bunch of really messed up stuff like napalming cities and stuff, I would be mad about that. I'd be like, dude, we need to stop ISIS, but, you know, doing this is, 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 is too far. But I understand it's military. We're talking about Obama dropping bombs on civilians who we are not at war with. All that's going to do is make the war worse. Like if people are at war with us and then you send in troops to a neighboring country and start executing kids, you are going to make war, more war and generate more enemies. Barack Obama should be in prison. I'm thinking about the Fallujah, the white phosphorus attack on Fallujah in 2003, where they they use it as an illuminate because they were like, yeah, we're going to light up the sky so we can see our targets. But really, it melts human skin. So they just drop white phosphorus all in the city of Fallujah and just melted all these civilian skin. That was George Bush Jr. Oh, yeah. George George Bush can go to prison. He's, for all he's on my list. So, <laughs> so yes, let's I don't do know that the too. amount of Clinton's bombings in Bosnia. I know that Clinton. Bro, was the Clintons are on our list, too. Yeah. <laughs> And then Trump's, like, Trump's... I think I think we'll go all the way with this. You, you yeah. keep racking up the names. We'll keep what calling about Trump prison. giving the drone bombing campaign to his generals? Is that not treason? Donald Trump is imperfect. However, he was pulling troops out of the Middle East. He had no new wars. He was trying to get our troops out of Syria. I look at what Trump was doing as trying to stop these things. Granted, he inherited a lot of it from Obama, from George W. Bush. And that's bad. However, I look to who started it. And who was trying to stop it? Donald Trump was trying to stop it. Barack Obama was escalating it. George W. Bush started it. I'm not going to hold that against Trump. Granted, there are some things I think Trump did that were bad that we need accountability for. I don't know if it goes as far as saying like Donald Trump pulled our troops, was pulling troops out of the Middle East. So he increased drone strikes to, 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 uh, to maintain control of the territory. I'm like, I don't blame him for that. I blame Obama for that. Not that I like it or anything, but Obama was like blowing up kids. Now, granted, there is the story of the commando raid in Yemen, which resulted in the death of an eight-year-old American girl. That, if proven to be Trump's orders, then I believe Trump deserves prison for that as well. However, that story is still a bit of conjecture, and we don't know. When it comes to Abdurrahman Alalaki, this is reported far and wide by like every major media news source and the family, and you know, so you take it for what it is. All that really matters is, you know what? Indict them all. Indict them all. If they want to engage in this kind of foreign policy. But I, but I got to say, man, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of libertarians, and I don't know how you feel about this, Matt, tell me that Trump is the lesser of two evils, and I disagree. He crossed the DMZ into North Korea with no security detail. He, he helped negotiate the Abraham Accords. A lot of that was Jared Kushner. I like that. He, got, he was trying to get our troops out of Syria. Very good. He crushed ISIS. Very, very good. He set a deadline for getting out of Afghanistan. I'm like, yo, this guy's doing good stuff. I will take what I can get. Barack Obama was escalating it. George W. Bush was starting it. The Clintons were, were engaged in all of it. It goes all the way back. I'll take what I can get with Trump. I don't know what your, what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, the question, the practical question is, I, I think the war on terror has been a disaster. And I'm channel my inner Ron Paul here and say we never should have done it. And we've made things far worse. And we've killed a lot of innocents and created lots of chaos. But the practical question for the next president, if it's Trump or somebody else, is, how do you extract us from all of this without starting new wars? And and I, I'm willing to grant that that's a messy process. And I, I would give uh, Trump credit on all of those things yeah. for mostly moving in the right direction. Not always, but but mostly moving in the right direction. And, you know, he didn't get us out of Afghanistan. And I wish he would have succeeded at that because the way Biden did it was, was a tragic 
and I shit show, or I don't know if we're allowed to say shit show. Yeah. Oh yeah, after yeah. fifteen I, seconds, yeah, yeah. I, I I almost feel like they intentionally sabotaged Afghanistan to guarantee their ability to reinvade later if they want to. It sure looks like that. I had uh, there's a congressman Warren Davidson who's been like a real hero, saying we got to get our guys out no matter what. And I ask him, is this just gross incompetence the way we got out of Afghanistan, or was it purposeful? And and he in a very political way said, I don't see how it can't have been purposeful so that the lesson is don't ever get out of anything ever again yep. because it, it, it doesn't work. And you have to wonder why they would abandon Bagram Air Force Base without notifying security forces in the country, why they cut all air, uh, air support logistics. There's no way it wasn't intentional. Why they left all that equipment and didn't decommission it with nanothermite. Like they didn't melt the machines before they just left them they just, behind. And, and, and they were purposefully blocking private efforts. They had, they had transportation. They had people. And all the State Department had to say was do it. And they blocked it. Blinken Let's, testified today that there are still like over 100, uh, 175 Americans still there. Like they left wow. people behind on purpose. Like. There, there's no way that this wasn't intentional. It gets, uh, it gets worse, ladies and gentlemen. We got this story from the Daily Mail. The West has brought humankind to the brink of nuclear Armageddon with its decision to use depleted uranium ammo in Ukraine, says Russia's U.S. envoy. As it turns out, Britain is using depleted, depleted uranium tank busters. And so Russia is basically saying this is the doorstep of nuclear war. Now I don't I don't I don't know is is depleted uranium radioactive? I'm not. I don't yeah, think it is. It is. Yeah, it is yeah. really not extremely, but enough enough of it in high enough concentrations. It happened in Iraq. They shot it. It's in the dust under the sand. A lot of people were getting sick from like Gulf War syndrome. They were blaming. I, I think it was Gulf War syndrome. I'm not sure if they were using depleted uranium in the first Gulf War or not. But uh, people are coming back sick, and they think a lot of it's radiation. The, Brit the British Defense Ministry confirmed on Monday that it would provide Ukraine with armor-piercing rounds containing depleted uranium. I've been ringing We're, the bell on this, man. You have been. Depleted That's why I bring it up. Is a nuclear weapon, you, and you can say tongue-in-cheek, hey, you stupid idiot. No, it's not. But listen, the Russian minister is acknowledging it. They consider it nuclear armaments. Maybe not nuclear weaponry as mm -hmm. considered, but they consider it nuclear. But, and, and that's all that matters. They can now, as they are starting to do, use this as justification for the expansion into nuclear warfare. The, and this doesn't mean ICBMs, because people need to understand, I think the first thing we're going to see is probably nuclear artillery, which is they're going to load up a howitzer or some kind of artillery. They're going to fire a nuclear shell with a decently large payload. It's not going to be a megaton bomb or anything like that, but it's going to be massively devastating. These are very, very powerful weapons. So the first, you, they, they can argue Nuclear war has already started with the use of armor-piercing depleted uranium. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash carlson. 
That's carshield.com slash Carlson. And then the U.S. will say, that's not true. Nobody thinks that's what nuclear weapons means. But of course, Russia and, and China are going to be like, this isn't, these are nuclear weapons. This is radioactive stuff. Yeah, this says here depleted uranium, both regular uranium and depleted uranium uh, in their immediate decay products emit alpha and beta particles and a small amount of gamma radiation. That's from EC. Well, there you go, right there. Yeah. Radioactive weapons. So what, what, what comes next? Russia says, well, if they're using nuclear weapons, we need to respond in kind. Then we get lower yield nuclear artillery, massive explosions rocking Ukraine. Then what? The West escalates and uses low yield missiles. I think there's also concern that the dust that's created by the depleted uranium is breathed in. A lot of it's really when it's in your body that can do a lot of damage. Um, what's happening is they build tanks out of armor that are created with depleted uranium because it's so dense. You can't pierce it with a lot of weapons. So they need to make depleted uranium ammo in order to pierce the depleted uranium armor. And then the wow. ammo ends up in the dust, in the dirt underneath your feet. That's the problem. I mean, I got to be honest. This picture of how it works is really cool. You know, this gigantic artillery shell. Look at this. It's basically a gigantic cartridge, like a bullet, with a depleted uranium tail fin with a sabo around it. And then it fires, sabo disengages, and then rips through with a point. It's two times denser. It's nearly twice as dense as lead. That's why they use it. It's, they say it's nearly unstoppable because of its, its density. So once it gets propelled, the inertia is just too powerful. It just rips through everything. I mean, that sounds pretty badass, to be honest. It's for just a, horrifying. Yeah, for a video game, I love <laughs> right, it. Right, right. But for real life, it's it's not great. The reason they have like the Hague and the war crimes and things, because like, if you annihilate a country with depleted uranium, you're you're making it unlivable. Essentially, if if the ground's peppered with depleted uranium, good good luck growing crops and raising a family on top of that. So it's like salting earth. I mean, it's it's definitely it's a heinous war crime in my opinion. But out of desperation and armored tanks that can't be penetrated, they've had no arguably other choice i i i think we we may see some kind of uh i think world war three um i don't know how or when but i think it for one reason because all of the oil producing nations are teaming up china is we're working these deals to do oil deals uh trade in in yuan as opposed to the dollar and the united states and nato will never allow that i i i i don't know what, what do you think matt i i kind of feel like Military industrial complex will be salivating at the thought of an opportunity to go to, to industrial scale warfare and or beyond. And the U.S. is going to be like, we're not going to let these countries do this. We will blow them up if we have to, because we're not going to lose. Yeah, I, I think I think they would love to have another war, regardless of the consequences for people. But one of the, one of the most frustrating things about this is we're we're escalating while we're demilitarizing our ability to produce energy. And this, I, I actually have friends in Ukraine and, and in, in that whole area. Uh, my wife and I go, go speak to free market groups in all of these countries. And, and our point was, um, why aren't you guys producing energy? You're, you're banning fracking, you're, you're destroying your economies, and, and you're, you're basically made yourself completely dependent on your enemy's sources of energy. And all of this green stuff, there's a green deal in, in Europe that, that has already been implemented. Um, this is the most destabilizing policy that empowers really bad guys. And I happen to be a libertarian. I think I think Putin is a horrible guy. I think he is a, a criminal for invading Ukraine. But I also think that Ukraine is an incredibly corrupt country. And I think the United States has no business in this because if you want to protect yourself from Russia, do something for yourself. Like clean up your own country, 
allow for the production of energy. And if you can't produce your own energy, allow for robust markets that allow you to buy the energy you need and not wait for Russia to shut off the pipeline. This is not rocket science. They haven't done it. So Ukraine is, is banning fracking? No, Ukraine you, doesn't do that. But, but Europe and particularly I see, I see. Germany right. and, and the UK and places like that. Well, I think it's, it's because, you know, when I look at the internal conflict in the United States, I can only assume it is intentionally driven by our enemies. Like the woke left, I look at what they believe in, what they're fighting for and how insane it is and how destructive it is and how it is, it is a major component in, in the victories for China. And I'm like, I kind of feel like they're doing it on purpose, like with TikTok, things like that. They talk about the Russian disinfo campaigns and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, we know China's been hacking and attacking us with cyber warfare for a long time. I wouldn't be surprised if a large component of the culture war is intentionally driven. Not, and, they, and they did talk about this with Russia. They said it wasn't necessarily intended to win an election. It was intended to, to sow division in the United States. I'm willing to bet China's doing that to a great degree. That's what t- TikTok is. Yeah. I watched a video earlier where this woman was like, I am a bird. I am, I am a bird. I am trapped in a human body. And like, that's the kind of thing that TikTok promotes. So if you have people in this country who are of sound mind saying, we cannot allow China to do the things they're doing with the Uyghur Muslims, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're on a committee with one other person who goes, but I'm actually a bird, so I'd like to move this here and talk about what we're going to do about bird rights. And you're going to be like, what? I'm divided power with this guy? China, the Chinese Communist Party knows we cannot function politically if half of our political system thinks they're animals or weird things and doesn't make any sense. And that's where we're being bogged. We have, we have weights strapped to our ankles. I don't see how we win this one. I, I, I don't know, man. If the U.S. is on the verge of civil war or in one, or if the Democratic Party is just their whole die on this hill moment is removing the testicles of children, then it's just like, okay, I guess. Fortunately, you know. I don't think the goal is to win. I, I think it's more to coexist. Like there's no real end game in diplomatic geopolitics. It's just about can we survive together and thrive together? That can be done, but it can what? be done through trade. It's tr- primarily trade. Who's, who, I, I wish that's what the world was doing. Yeah. No one's doing that. Tr- trade? trade? Who, I mean, who, who's who's trying to coexist up. together? Well, China and Russia at the, at the moment. But like, yeah, 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 yeah. okay, Te- Mexico yes. and the United yeah, States. I think so it's an on, element though. of diplomacy that is like, how can we work together against our common enemies? Against our common enemies, or in a way that allows me to continue doing the things that I like. I think the problem is, you know, there are a lot of countries that feel morally compelled to insert themselves into issues and say you can't live that way. Or part of our doctrine is that we have to expand our power. I mean. It, it doesn't have the isolationist boundaries that maybe we would like it to. If we could just all stay within our own countries and, you know, cooperate when necessary, it might be a different tale. But geopolitical, geopolitical diplomacy so I, is I think totally there's a bunch of bad actors, but I, I don't I, I'm not as afraid of, of Russia and China. I think their economies are a house of cards as well. And my argument is if we would get our house in order, if our allies would get our house in order, we would not be vulnerable to their shenanigans because they don't have the resources to do what they do. And I, I could you know, quote Michael Malice's new th- white pill book and pointing out that, that top-down systems collapse. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I agree, but that's why I'm saying I think the internal conflict is the problem we're facing. Right. If we can't- But, but it's on us, right? We, we gotta fix it. Well, not just at this table, yes. but, but Americans got to get their act together. But I, but I, but I, I feel like that's the attack they're levying against us. Mm-hmm. 
making sure we can like TikTok is a huge component. Right now, you've got the Democrats trying to preserve it. And the Republicans are barely doing anything about it. They don't even know what the argument is. Yeah, I think banning it's not right. At first, not I'm banning like, I, it. Absolutely. Yeah, because then it would lead to someone banning Twitter. And you don't want to start banning companies from the states. I mean, free the software code if you want to see what they're doing, what the algorithm's doing. Fair point. It's got to be like, and, and Elon might save us. And I, I don't, I'd hate to put all of our eggs in, in one billionaire's basket, but the solution to TikTok is is an alternative that's not nuts, that's not manipulative, that allows the things we like, mm -hmm. speech and and argument and all the things that America's built on, as opposed to that crazy manipulation. And the problem has been is that, that these tech platforms have been centralized and, and basically speech has been dictated by the FBI and CIA. Who are you going to vote for in 2024? I don't know yet. Would you vote for Trump? I'm not, I'm not saying like you should. I'm just asking like, would you consider voting um, for him? You know, I was going to until he screwed up lockdown so badly. Mm. I, I don't think I can forgive that. That's a good point, man. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much for Trump right now. We'll see what changes. DeSantis, is, I, I feel like, is, is showing to be a big letdown. I would, I would prefer Dave Smith. You know, if like if someone said name a person and they would be president, I'll, be, I'll go Dave Smith. Assuming he wants to be as not announced yet. In, in all practical reality, you know, I'd probably end up voting for Trump. What do you yeah. think but of we'll Vivek see, we'll see. Ramaswamy? Um, I, I like a lot of what he's doing. The ESG stuff is fantastic. I don't, I don't, and maybe I'm agreeing with you on this. I don't think you cut off trade with China. I think you outperform China. And, and he, wants to, he wants to isolate our enemies through, through state power. And I want to isolate our enemies from outperforming them. And but I, I think he's he's quite interesting and, and quite provocative in a lot of ways. He's probably doing what Dave wants to do, which is change the conversation. Mm. Um, and this is a big debate within the Libertarian Party. Are we running to win? Or are we running to change the narrative so that we can actually talk about some of these things that the two parties never talk about? And I, I think I think both. But you got to build. Right. Yeah. So obviously with the Libertarian Party. You got a lot of buildings going to happen. There's a percentage threshold that's got to be met, which means you've got to be serious contenders. But during, in the meantime, the victories you get is changing the conversation. Yeah. So, you know, what do we got to do to get to a point where Dave Smith's on a debate stage with Biden and Trump? That would be tremendous. Mm -hmm. It'd be fantastic. I don't, they're never going to let him on the stage. They keep changing the rules. Yep. If he gets closer, they're just going to say, you know what, you need 20% in the polls to be on the stage. But the point is with, with all of these platforms, um, you know, how many times do we have to point out that Joe Rogan is bigger than all three networks right before an election combined and point out that if we want to have that conversation outside of corporate media, we can do that now. Yeah. And I also think that if Joe Rogan ran for president, he'd probably win. He'd probably beat them both. I'd vote for him. Now, see, I would vote for Joe. I, I think a lot of people yeah. would because he's like, you listen to him and he's talking about cultural issues, which the right agrees with. But he's still somewhat of a moderate lefty kind of guy, so you got to get a, you kind of get a compromise. But he's just so popular. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to run or he should run. I'm just saying that kind of personal connection and 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 gravitas is what you need. I, I'm 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 thinking Trump. I think Trump's got a lot of bad about him, but I view him as a, as a slight net positive, mostly on foreign policy. I don't completely blame him for the lockdowns. I somewhat blame him for the lockdowns. I think he surrounded himself with really bad people. I'm also thinking now. You know what, man? I'm willing to get him in the next four years if we can see more of that foreign policy. 
If it's more of secure our borders, bring jobs back here and get our troops out of these other countries, make NATO pay its fair share. All right. Well, you know, then I'll take what we get domestically. But I think the economy will be good and I think he'll do a better job. Well, here's here's the thing. Like as you continue to dig into the sources of uh, gain of function uh, experiments and all that crazy mad science that Fauci and NIAID was doing, that's actually a biosecurity program. And there's a reason, I suspect, why Rand Paul has switched to the Homeland Security Committee, because if you want to get to the bottom of COVID and you want to get to the bottom of gain of function and you want to find out whether or not American taxpayers actually financed the creation of a virus that created so much global disruption, you got to go after the national security state. This is not the healthcare industrial complex. It's national security. So these things are very much related. So whoever is going to be the next president is gonna to have to take on that. And, let's, and this is some place where Trump failed. Let's jump to this story from the post-millennial. Breaking, Arizona Supreme Court revives Carrie Lake claim on signature verification. So uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll give you the simple version. Carrie Lake filed numerous claims. They were dismissed by a lower court. Carrie Lake appealed. And one very important component, one of the most important, made it through. Now, the corporate press is saying, Carrie Lake mostly loses appeal. If you're filing a lawsuit like this, you don't just say, here's my one complaint. You get as many as you can and throw them all out there, scattershot, and then see which ones stick. And Carrie Lake got one. Signature verification. When the, 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 the argument is, uh, uh, not just in Carrie Lake's case, but in Trump as well, the argument is too many signatures got accepted that should not have. That many of these probably didn't match, but they were letting them through anyway. When Carrie Lake sued, they said, this is a procedure question and you should have sued before the election. Well, now the appellate court, a Supreme Court has said, no, how would she sue unless there was something done that she can sue over, go back and redo this. For all we know, the lower court just kicks it out again. But it's entirely possible that they're forced to take it up. The, the, the issue with Carrie Lake and with any, anyone involved in this, is that every single person in politics, save like, I don't know, five, ten people. Okay, to be fair, maybe 50. Uh, they're cowards. They're all cowards. I'm, I've, I've been, uh, I feel like DeSantis is a letdown. I feel like he is too weak. Carrie Lake is strong. Trump is strong. I like that. There are a decent number of strong people in Congress. Matt Gates standing up to Kevin McCarthy was absolutely fantastic. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, despite the fact Marjorie Taylor Greene was in favor of Kevin McCarthy, she's stood up on a lot of issues. But I look at these, these, these court cases and these judges and everyone's just like, oh man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be involved. So what I, I guess I would say is, you know, aside from this story, I feel like a big thing that's being revealed right now is just how cowardly so much of our society and, and government is, how many individuals are, probably why people voted for Trump, probably why people like Carrie Lake. They're, they want someone who's finally just going to stand up and say, screw off. By the way, cowardice in politics is not a new phenomenon. Oh, yeah. But I, but, I, but I feel like it's, it's more widespread and, and culturally ingrained at this point. Yeah. Like, I, I, maybe I'm just wrong, but I kind of feel like if you go back 100 years, you find most people weren't cowardly, although they were cowards. Maybe it's more exposed because I think, I think you know, we, we complain about all the downsides of social media. I think one of the powerful things that happens is that you realize that most politicians are telling you what you want to hear without ever saying anything. And you can dig a little bit deeper now and you realize that they're empty suits. So when we see someone who appears to be saying what they actually think, and I think Carrie Lake is absolutely one of those people, 
Um, that in and of itself, regardless of what she's saying, is appealing to people because she's actually speaking what she thinks. And she's and not. That's attractive. And she's not dropping it. I mean, it would have been easy for her to say like, "This is corrupt and terrible," and then quietly fade into the background, right? I mean, she must be spending tons of money on this legal battle, and yet she thinks it's worth it. She's standing by what she said, that she needs to stand up for Arizona's voting integrity, and so she's going to push it for as long as she can. And I I think there is something refreshing about that, right? It's, it's very different than someone saying, like, this was stolen from me or this was unfair and then kind of doing nothing. I think a lot of voters are very sick of the inaction, the fact that they don't fall through with anything. Yeah, Oh, what are you saying? No, it's, it's kind of telling that when you search Carrie Lake, you see a, a host of articles like robots. Um, she mostly loses, I think. Yep. That's the phrase. That every article says the same thing. That tells me that she probably accomplished something. Yep. Because how do you mostly lose? If your goal is to get an argument in, they're like, well, she mostly lost. It's like, is the, the lawsuit moving forward? Yes. So she didn't lose. Well, she lost a lot of them, but the lawsuit is moving forward. It's like, okay, well, that sounds like her lawsuit is moving forward. Mostly rejected. Yeah. 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 AP has uh, Arizona court declines most of Lake's appeal over governor's race. And it's like, but they took something. You're trying to frame it as, you know, she's this crazy wacko, but don't worry, she's being subdued. And really, you know, the issues that matter and the ones that could make a difference are are being moved forward. I think a lot of these... cowardice in politics comes from people being able to communicate from behind a keyboard and a computer in a locked room. Like a lot of the stuff people say to each other in social media, they would never say to each other and face to face. I I, look, man, the DeSantis response to the Trump indictment stuff was like getting a bucket of water splashed in the face. I don't care. A lot of people are like, you know, DeSantis said, I don't know what goes into paying a porn star hush money or whatever. I don't care that he said that. I care about the fact that he said, I'm not getting involved in this. Instead of saying "f you," instead of just telling telling these these lunatics to to shove to screw themselves, he probably figures Trump's pissed off so many people and he's got no chance at winning. And if he gets involved and gets on his side, he'll just be lumped into that. Coward, no chance at winning. But I mean, exactly. he's not wrong that Trump has pissed off way more people than he needed to. But it does. But he could have said, "Look, it's not about Donald Trump. You don't have to like the guy. I've got my differences with him. He calls me a meatball." But the idea that a six-year-old misdemeanor would warrant extradition from my state is laughable, so do not even try it. And he's like, come on, where the, ball, where the ball's at? Just, that, I, you know, I just don't see it. That's I, what he should have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It would take him from being just this suit that's sort of towing the line, trying to, to pick up both sides, you know, people who are for Trump and people who are against him, and giving him a personality, right? Like, he's not willing to take that risk, and that's where you get this fear that he's becoming, like, a politician, Yes, right? and, and who is he trying to win over with this, right? The idea is that, well, a lot of people don't like Trump, and he, he could win the never-Trump or Republicans. Dude, all of the parental rights and education stuff that he's done, he's, they're, they're lying about it. They're saying he's banning books. Mm-hmm. The Lincoln Project's calling him awful and evil. There's nothing to be gained from not like from going the route he's going it may just be simple i don't know if he intentionally was trying to avoid being defensive of trump the fact is he does not have it within him to be defensive of hardline principles in that way so what i when i see desantis i see a guy who you know early on he's got these policy accomplishments he's a great governor i still think that's true and so you believe that here's a guy who gets it and now what you see over the past few months is Here's a guy who's vanilla pudding who was given the correct script. He's, he's given the proper playbook. He said, I will execute it because I can un- understand people like mm-hmm. this. 
But then when it comes time to stand in front of the flames, he goes, oh, too much for me there, buddy. He doesn't seem like the guy who sent illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard anymore. He seems I mean, like someone else. I don't know. That's, I, a, that's a good point. I, I think that's too far. I think it was a tactical mistake, and, and I think he can recover from it. I think oh, you think that... The, the Trump statement stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the issue, though, is like the Martha's Vineyard thing was was masterfully done. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff you want to see. But I kind of I, 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 I half agree with you. I think there's an opportunity for him to come back and, and have that strong voice. But I kind of do feel like this was a bit revealing. And it's not so much about can he recover from it so much, though, as we've learned a little bit about right. him. He did. But, a, but we'll see. We'll see. He did a show with Glenn Beck that was pretty enlightening. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's worth watching. I only saw it so far about 10 minutes of it. In fact, I'm realizing I should watch the entire thing because it was like, oh, I see the humanity in this guy now. He's a tactical guy. He's like a, a jag. He was a Navy lawyer, jag guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he knows when to speak, when not to speak, when to let your enemy. If your enemy's making a mistake, don't stop him. That's probably what he's thinking with Trump right now. He's like, dude, this guy's foot in his mouth. He deserves this. He paid off a prostitute that he had sex with while he was married and running for president. Like, let him burn. Let him let him let him deal with it. I'm not getting involved in this crap. Uh, he wants to win the presidency. I, I Look, man, if if DeSantis is the nominee, he's got my vote. I like the guy. I think he's I think he's doing really well. I think he's a great governor. I think he'll be a great leader. And I think he's substantially better than anything anyone else has to offer. But I understand why people like Trump, because Trump. You know, you know, this is the thing why I said before that DeSantis might be a good VP is because DeSantis has what Trump doesn't. Trump has what DeSantis doesn't. Trump has that, like, boastful arrogance about him. He is that guy who's going to be like, don't you try it. Don't come at me. It's not happening. And DeSantis is the guy who's going to be like, here's what the people actually want. Here's me telling off the, the you know, the, the, the lockdowns and actually, like, solving these problems properly. Trump's got the attitude, but DeSantis has the plan. Yeah, so I, like, I can respect that. I think it's it's tough to say what would have happened, should have, whatever. But I think if DeSantis had been president when COVID struck, that he wouldn't have let Fauci run the show. He would have run the show. I don't know, man. He doesn't. I mean, he's like he he knows how to use the system. He he used his um, state of emergency in Florida and he held it open so that he could reposition funds to make sure that schools couldn't close down. So it was like. Yeah, he knew that this COVID crap was an emergency and it was making kids get masked when they were two and three. So he's like, no, the emergency is that kids are getting masked up at four years old. I'm not going to let that happen to kids. Well, that, that, that's, that, that's an interesting question. When it comes to actual policy, is Trump the kind of guy who's going to drop the hammer or is DeSantis? DeSantis is the guy who sent a bunch of migrants to Martha's Vineyard as a powerful statement. Trump's the guy who refused to fire Fauci because he was scared of political backlash. Mm -hmm. So I, it's tough. I man. like the Navy lawyer. I'm going to I like the yeah. experience. I like having a lawyer in presidency. Obama was a lawyer, for better or worse. He knew how to game the system, man. tons of lawyers yeah, the, in president. I mean, the, the conversation with uh, Glenn Beck and DeSantis, I, I, I did watch it, and that's, that's where DeSantis wants to be. But he's struggling with, um, you know, how does he engage Trump? Because he watched everybody get chewed up and spit out. When you, when you take on Trump uh, playing on Trump's turf, Trump's going to kill you. So he's, this, this, this episode that we're talking about DeSantis is like, do I engage? Do I disengage? What do I do with this? Because I know what happens to everybody that goes toe to toe with Trump in terms of uh, a, you know, a pissing match. He says that on the that's, show. He talks about that. No, no. Oh, I'm, but that, that, I'm that, putting that, words in his mouth. He's never going to say that out loud. I would love. But to that's hear that, that's kind of what I'm saying is, if it's not going to be Trump, it's got to be someone who can easily go toe to toe with Trump. You know what I mean? It it it, it shouldn't be hard to. Look, Donald Trump gets on stage and he calls you names 
And then you look at how the rest of the GOP handled it in 2016, and it was hilarious. They could not handle. They didn't know what to do. It's funny. I'm like, you need somebody who can actually stand with stand toe to toe with Trump and fire back in the same way. I I don't know who could possibly and do it. To be fair, the Democrats don't have one either. Oh, I no. mean, there's no one politically in America. I mean, unless the libertarians are fielding someone I don't know about, there's no one who could take on Trump. It's, it's, com- it's coming. Okay. It's there's coming. also a question of is Trump still 2016 Trump? Yeah. We're starting to see a little bit of it, but a lot of people, his core fan base, said they were let down by his, his uh, announcement speech. Does he have the same level of energy? Has he been toned down? Is he going to be that fireball? Should he be? Some people have argued he's, he's got to approach this differently as a former president. Because before, I think, you know, who, who said it? Was it Dave Chappelle? He was like, first he was saying like, hey, look, man, I know what they're doing because I used to do it. Let me in there. Then he gets in there and does the same thing. Yeah. He came if, out of the house right. and said, they're cheating you. And then he went back into the house. So the question is, should he run as the outsider again, considering the fact he was president for four years, no. or does he now need to be the let me finish the job president and, and act differently? Yeah, I, that's I a pa- I'm not pretend Patrick no. Bet David made that observation also. I, I think you're right. I, I don't think that the, the old tactic of like I'm the outsider isn't where he's not the outsider. He's the front runner. So he needs to play like I'm already the winner. And when I win again, this is the, how I'm going to change the world. Uh, unless I see a, a mission and a meaning to it, I have no interest in like playing party politics or identity. Yeah, and not, not not to be one note, Johnny. I still think that the, the lockdowns and his his relentless advocacy for vaccines as the thing that he did. I think that's his Achilles' heel, and I think as this goes on and all of the economic damage and all of the damage caused, to, particularly to young people by by vaccines, becomes more apparent. Trump owns that. He proudly owns it. And I don't know what he does about that, the, the older it festers. You wouldn't have any advice for him? Like, if you were on his campaign, you wouldn't know how to spin that message? Or there's nothing he could do to sort of well, counterbalance he, that? He still brags about about how he personally made the vaccine happen. Mm-hmm. That's not a good idea. I don't think so. But he thinks it's a good idea? I feel like someone If, if he a- did it, it's a good idea. That's... Everything he does is a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be like, you know, I was wrong or whatever. Yeah. So fair points. He, not firing Fauci, supporting the lockdowns. The, he's the guy who did the, the, the 15 days to slow the spread. That was that was on him. So and, and DeSantis isn't that guy. So that, that's why I'm saying like Trump has the attitude. But then there's a question of is he going to step up this time, see what he did wrong and fix it? Or should we just be like, look, we got a real opportunity with DeSantis. We got a real, one. we got an opportunity. DeSantis defied federal mandate, at, like the national, the largest, strongest government in U.S. in world history. He said no, and he did his thing the way he wanted it done as a governor, which is his just right. And I think he would do the same thing as president against ESG. But, I don't think he would let the international banking cartel own the United States. But is it worth having four more years of Trump? Because if Trump doesn't get elected this year. I mean, he is older. Like, it's, it's unlikely that he'll seek the presidency. I mean, maybe he will. I don't know. I can't. Ooh, he does have tough one, huh? But then you could have four years of Trump and then theoretically eight years of DeSantis. Or you could start DeSantis' presidential term now and never have Trump again. I don't think we have time to waste. I think it's the best now or or we all die kind of situation. And for you, I, the best I, is I like agree. DeSantis? Yeah. Far superior Man. to Trump if I had to pick between the two. I have other, I think Vivek Ramaswamy is far superior to all of them. Okay. I agree with that. But I, I don't see him winning. I want to support him so he does. If we have that kind of I mean, influence, I mean, let's make it happen. This, this, this is the crazy thing. Like, most people will identify various people as probably more capable or better for, for a variety of reasons, but just not capable of winning. And that's the reality. So I don't know if that's, that's not the same thing as lesser of two evils. 
I think Trump is a good option. I genuinely do. I think Vivek, probably better uh, for a lot of reasons. But maybe, you know, we, we have to ask ourselves, what is it we actually want from the president? What do we want the president to do? Do we want someone to set policy? Is that it? Then Ron DeSantis will go in and he'll be like, here's my agenda. But does that guarantee the agenda is going to happen? Well, it's more of a congressional thing. Do we want power, arrogance, strongman? That's Trump. Trump's going to push people around. But if he's got bad policy and he's got bad people because personnel is policy, it's not going to be a good thing, is it? I want a diplomat, but I don't want someone that gets walked over. I just, you know, you know what it is for me that always makes me default back to Trump is the foreign policy stuff is like the foreign policy that he was engaged in is the best foreign policy I've ever seen from any president in my life. Domestic policy was horrid. Like what? It it just divided the country. He would tweet about far leftists. Like what? You're supposed to unify the country, bro. You'll bring them together. If you don't like the way they're behaving, give them something to live for. I don't know if I care about the tweets. In the like, you know, oh, we're, tweets, God, because, or, or just just to put it out there, or we could vote for Dave Smith and we could finally put Barack Obama in jail for <laughs> Dude, in Yemen. Vivek has that Dave Smith quality. They're talking about breaking up like the Department of Education and breaking up the FBI. I mean, they're talking about similar things like scaling down the government. Yeah, he's got a pretty bold is, message. Is, uh, is, I, have, I have a naive question. Is he running as a Republican? Vivek? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Is I Dave it, Smith going to campaign on lock him up? Lock him up. Lock him up. I, I think after this episode, yes, 100%. I mean... Dave's listening. Take notes. You know, it's, it's, it's a scary thought to arrest a former president. But there's a challenge of a legitimate question. Do we ignore the actual crimes committed in our name? Because I'm offended by it. Yeah. And just, like, arrest them all? I no. do. I do I'm, I'm, I'm sort of joking about a sitting president arresting former presidents. That feels a little bit ban- banana republic to me. I'd love that there was um, a more objective standard of justice but our point stands these guys committed crimes and we shouldn't just sweep it under the rug i want to clarify too about trump why i said his horrible domestic policy the tweets the division but also the covid stuff man that just like hands off let the dog bite kind of thing with Fauci, just let him go nuts. Was hard, and though, and oh God, he didn't deploy a... military yeah, to stop riots. Yeah. He let people riot and burn buildings. crazy. I mean, if you think about that summer of 2020 and everything that happened, like all of the businesses that were already suffering under the code mandates that then suffered even more and he didn't intervene, it's hard not to forget that that final year of his presidency was really rough for him. I think it did do a lot of great in the first three, but is, is that enough to balance out the final final year I, i'm i'm also kind of just like i want to see trump finish finish off what he what, what he wants to do i want to see him just have a crack at it i don't, I don't know if that's meaningless like because there's nothing really behind the idea but there's like an emotional part of me that's like we I, we just gotta get you know trump's gotta go in and then finish what he started whatever that was supposed to be what is it what does he think well, he i mean wants? the foreign policy stuff was huge that that to me is is a massive component shoring up our borders he, first thing he does, get rid of the TPP. He wants to bring jobs back to America. He wants to get rid of the car stuff. He wants to secure our borders, uh, better working class jobs, better manufacturing, getting NATO and, other, and our allies to pay their fair share, getting our troops out of these foreign countries. All but, of that stuff sounds like the right track. The economy was booming. There are a lot of questions about spending. There's a lot of issues with foreign policy. I get all that. But I'm like, I don't know what I get with DeSantis. I see Florida. I have a general idea. With Trump, it's like, Kind of want to see him just wrap that one up with a nice, nice, nice little bow. What do you guys think about bringing back extremely dirty industry to the United States? Totally in favor of it. We need to be developing in Alaska. We, 
modern technology can address those concerns. If we build a factory 70 years ago and we've been updating it a little bit, well, it's no surprise it pollutes. If we build a modern version of that factory from the ground up, we're going to mitigate a lot of those issues. So an interesting thing happens with technology, uh, with industrialization. The United States cellular data sucks because we're the first to roll it out. We roll out, what was it, the IDEN network might have been the first one. And it's like garbage. Foreign country like Ukraine doesn't get cell phones at all. Then we invent better technologies. We end up with uh, CDMA. Ukraine begins to install CDMA, but instead of getting generation one tech like we built, they build third generation tech. So I go to the, in the United States. This is way back. This is 10 years ago. I'm using CDMA cell phones and getting like 0.1.2 megabits. I go to Ukraine, same cell phone, two megabits. Well, how is that possible? Because they have a modernized version of that new tech that was built. If we're going to bring back these industries to the United States by e uh, easing on environmental regulations, yes, there's a risk of pollution. However, we can set new leases for developing in areas like Alaska, which I believe is being tremendously wasted. I'm sure a lot of Alaskans would love to have the development to improve their lives. And when we build these factories, when we build these developments, we can build them with modern versions of the technology, which mitigates for a lot of the pollution and helps, you know, facilitate it away. Yeah, we could rebuild the railroads with graphene instead of iron or whatever, steel, that warping, bending metal, something that's stronger. Because I mean, a lot of the problem with industrialization is the transportation of high the materials. High-speed rail. You know, mag maglevs where they're not even on the metal. They're gliding over the metal because no it's super cooled superconductor. Yeah. No friction. So there's a that, new material exactly called right. uh, red matter that can be used for that. It's a high, extremely awesome superconductor they just invented. That, I, I, I agree. I think the issue with um, maglev is they have to be in cities with high power. You need, whereas if we're going across countryside, you're going you to want a car or something. But yeah, we can build better, faster trains and we can build better infrastructure and build all these things. The reason that Donald Trump wanted to ease environmental regulations was to bring companies back from, from China. What happens is, and it's very obvious, the United States imposes environmental regulations, increasing the cost for a business to operate. They then increase the taxes on that business. They then cut tariffs. And so the company says, it's going to cost me 20% taxes and 20% more environmental regulations I have to offset. Or... I can send my factory to China and ship the product here for free with no regulations, no taxes. That's exactly what they do. So when the Democrats got in, people are wondering, like, what did Joe Biden do that was so bad for the economy? Well, uh, increased environmental regulations, increased corporate taxes and decreased tariffs, resulting in companies fleeing the country and shipping the products back, stripping jobs away from Americans and extracting the value from our economy and destroying the country. We're watching it happen. Yeah, it also takes our supply chain and gives part of it to the Chinese which is yes. a very, very high vulnerability for the supply chain. Yeah, I'd take it a step further and say just raising the cost of producing energy in no way produces cleaner energy. And there's, there's all sorts of trade-offs. Like Thomas Massey was here. He'd point out all of the quote-unquote dirty industry that's involved with making clean energy. And then there's the whole question of World War III. Um, maybe we should actually produce more oil and gas in this country, and maybe our allies should as well, so that we, we don't end in a nuclear winter, because that's, that's dirty too. Have you ever played Civilization? It's no. a great game, geopolitics. If, you're, if you have a huge trade network with your neighboring country, you've got eight trade routes, you're getting your iron from them, you're getting your horses from them, you've got most of your income from them. If they go to war with you, it all goes to zero. Mm -hmm. You have nothing. Yep. And then they are, they do, because you've been getting it from them. We, now they have all... 
No, no, continue. See, that's it. It's the worst situation when your trade partner stops, goes to war with you. Kids in schools should be forced to play this game. I say forced like it should be an assigned thing. And the kids would love it. because It's it's an educational tool, yeah. But anybody who's ever played Civilization. Tell Ron DeSantis, he'll he'll do that. I'm not even kidding. So here's an example. Uh, In one of my playthroughs of Civilization, I had this very powerful and big nation. And then when we got to the discovery of of uranium, my country had no uranium at all. There was none in my territory. And so I had this massive expansion and growth. Then when we got to this technological level, all of a sudden, the underdeveloped neighboring country that stole my technology with spies had tons of uranium and started building nukes. And I'm like, damn, they, they have it within their borders. I, what do I do? They're, we're we're going to go to war and they've got this stuff. So what do, you ha- what do you do? Well, I mean, hope you don't go to war and then you do and then you're fighting and they have uranium and you can't. So you can't build these weapons. They can. You got to go seize that city that's got access to it so you can build them and they can't. It's a, it's an amazing video game. It's brilliant. Yeah, it really it, it puts the utilitarian aspect of war into clear view. Like if your opponent has a weapon that will destroy you, you have to take that away from them. I mean, otherwise they will win. And it's a game of winning and losing. You know, real life isn't winning and losing. It's about living together. So it's not about Is it like risk with more factors. Yeah, involved? it's not all about fighting. You can win culturally. You can win uh, religiously, diplomatically. There's different you ways to, take to over, unite the planet and win. Scientifically, you can launch a spacecraft first okay. to Alpha Centauri. You can take over cities through culture. Yeah. So you can actually have your cities produce music, movies, social media. And then what happens is that culture expands your borders and influence. And if it starts pressing upon another city with too much force, eventually that city will request to join you. And then it makes the other country really angry. And then they can threaten war against you. And you're like, hey, look, they came to us. It's kind of like talking about the culture war. That's the culture war. You flip cities. Like the, in France right now, there's these, there's these riots and explosions and burning. And then the, the cops are on the side of the people. Like that's the culture flip. So that can happen with literally cities as well. Well, that but just it, happened? The cops joined the protesters? Yeah, there's a bunch of cops walking with the protesters. Oof. The culture wars. I saw effect. a picture of Macron with like his, his like face palming because it's been going on for months now or something like that. Brutal yeah. widespread riots across France. I mean, he survived the no confidence vote, but the people do not like it, right? Like the legislature allowed his government to stay in place, but he has really upset the people of France with his uh, his retirement plan issues. I mean, I think this game sounds really fascinating, and I, I don't think I've ever played it before, but I do think that when we talk about TikTok uh, and we talk about kind of the American acceptance of what's going on with Ukraine or our involvement in it, a lot of that has to do with long-form cultural warfare that's been going on for a long time. I think America thinks of itself as the leading exporter of culture in the world, and that's just not true at this point, and I think largely that is because of the internet. Like, other countries can take some of our culture but also maintain their own, right? So we saw this, there were a couple times that, uh, you know, there are, are movies that China is rejecting that typically they've let in, or they are seeing their own uh, original content Uh, outperform imported American movies. And that's because they are prioritizing their own culture. I think um, the way that we saw people sort of readily adopt uh, the the Ukraine flag out of this understanding that like we should be helping them is sort of this idea that we are the global citizens, this cultural war that we have put on our own people. I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, No, uh, well, I, I, so I'm not a culture warrior, but I, I think that culture is everything. And so I, I tend to be sort of uh, blue sky optimistic about um, letting people free to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. And so I, I worry less about the fact that China is manipulating 
us or that Russia's manipulating us and that um, free people have a natural ability to figure stuff out. Do you think that American, like the youth in America is truly free? And I only ask in the context of, you know, the algorithm on TikTok, we hear about it all the time and uh, I sound vaguely afraid of technology, but yeah. you know, there is the idea that the youth in America are being fed content that is meant to psychologically disrupt them, right? To encourage anxiety, to push other uh, kind of you know, negative uh, experiences and emotions, so therefore they are completely consumed by basically collapsing in on themselves while Chinese, Chinese uh, teens are being encouraged to pursue STEM and other things. Yeah. Like, are you truly free if you have this uh, technological disruptor coming through. Well, you're, you're, you're still free, but like the, the, the phenomenon of, of like a herd mentality and, and most people just sort of following the leader is not a new thing and it's not caused by technology. And most of cultural change and most of, of cultural development comes from those cultural entrepreneurs that speak up and say, you know what, let's do it a different way. Um, so I, I still have confidence in those young people that are thinking um, because that's what defines culture. It's not just the, the mindless mob that, that shuffles forward like zombies because that's always been there and, and social media ap absolutely amplifies that tendency, but someone's going to step out and say, guys, over here, this is what we need to really care about. And I think that's, that's how the, the wisdom of crowds works. Most, most of the crowd does not practice wisdom, but somebody says, guys, we're going in the wrong direction. We got to go this way. And it, it always just works out. Let's, uh, let's jump to this cultural story. This is, a, this is an interesting one. We have this uh, tweet. I saw this image from Icons Women. Hannah Ahrensman says, I have decided to end my cycling career. At my last race at the recent UCI Cyclocross National Championships in the elite women's category, I came in fourth place, flanked on either side by male riders, awarded third and fifth places. My sister and family sobbed as they watched a man finish in front of me, having witnessed several physical interactions with him throughout the race. So this is, this is the photo is the woman crying as she's quitting because she was denied the podium by a male athlete. There's another story where another male has won, I think like 15 races. Yeah. Like 15 to 15 or some yep. ridiculous just number. Just one in New York, right? Yeah, yeah. just won one in New York. And, uh, I feel bad for this woman, but I think she's doing the right thing in quitting. And I think all of these women need to quit and maybe make a new league, maybe make the female division or something. It's a great example of the leader that steps out of the herd and says, this is insane. We need to stop doing this. And she's going to pay an insane price. She's giving up her dream and her career to do that. But I, but I think the tide is turning. I think the insanity... Uh, people are starting to say, what are we doing here? Well, yeah. we have a story here from uh, TimCast.com. World Athletics Council bans biological male athletes from, from competing against females. Officials say the policy update is to protect the integrity of female athletics. So it's starting to happen. That's, I mean, that's, that's big, huh? Yeah. I mean, especially this issue. I, I ran track in high school, so it's a sport I care a lot about. But there, are, uh, there was a group of um, track athletes in Connecticut that were some of the first to file a lawsuit and say, you can't let male biologically male athletes compete with us because it does take away our right to compete in a sport. Like you are flying in the face of something that theoretically and, feminism fought for. And and those two males were not undergoing hormone th therapy or anything like that. They yeah. were just males who are like, I want to compete against the females because I'm a woman. And they said, fine. 
-hmm. and they kept winning every race and breaking records. Yeah, and it's especially like on the high school level, it means that you don't uh, show up on the rosters that college coaches get, so you miss out on scholarship opportunities. Like if if, uh, you are an elite athlete competing at that level, you can't expect a coach to look at the list and say, oh, well, you know, these, these names all appear female to me, so why would I question this, right? And especially if we're supposed to treat uh, biological men who identify as women the same way, then you are literally giving away spots on teams and educational dollars to them when these girls have trained for so long to get to that place. I mean, it seems like, to me, it seems like common sense, but I understand our culture has created a different narrative around this. Well, I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, what Matt was saying, the insanity is starting to be pushed back against. I think we're starting to win on this front. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the United States can finally get its act together. There was a, a couple big moments. One was when Cenk Uygur of the Young Turks agreed with Bernie Sanders saying, we want equality of, of opportunity, not outcome. It's like, okay, welcome back to the mix. And then we have, I think I have the tweet right here, Anna Kasparian of the Young Turks tweeted, I'm a woman. Please don't ever refer to me as a person with a uterus, birthing person, or person who menstruates. How do people not realize how degrading this is? You can support the transgender community without doing this-ish. And of course, she got ripped to shreds. The left went after her and started screaming at her and insulting her. They're calling them the Young Turfs now instead of the Young Turks. But I'm like, well, you know what? If the Young Turks are pushing back on the insanity, gradually, I'll accept it. I will take it. And maybe we're going to start winning more ground in the culture war. That's a good thing. Man, and talk about, this is another one I think that there's really no winning or losing. It's about can we coexist? The victory is can we all win? And when you see Anna went on Ben Shapiro's show a month ago, I didn't know that. And they had a great conversation. It's fascinating to talk about Medicare for all. I mean, it's legit. And then I just saw Sam Cedar went on valuetainment. So it's like people that you would consider from the left and the right are coming together to talk. I think a lot of it's because of this, this, this banking fiasco, you know, the economy hitting its breaking point. People are like, what choice do I have at this point? I think there have probably always been people who say like, hey, this is something that we should not, we should not pursue. So because it's Women History, History Month, I've been writing about anti-feminists. And I, this week I published a profile of uh, Camille Paglia, which I'm definitely pronouncing her name wrong, but she is an academic at University of Arts in Philadelphia. And she gets this reputation of being, you're nodding your head, uh, of being the anti-feminist feminist. She said, you know, I was a feminist in the 1960s and we fought for our rights to be free. We fought so that we wouldn't have to have curfews in college dorms. We could risk the right to be raped and attacked on campus because we wanted the right to like take care of ourselves and not be in the protection of men or whatever else. Uh, and one of the things that she has gotten in trouble for in more recent years is saying, you know, you guys should pay attention to biology. You guys seem really interested in science, except for when it applies to this issue. And she says, you know, you can't, your biology says you can't just suddenly decide you're a different gender. And this has ousted her from the feminist community. I mean, she still identifies as a feminist, but feminists don't want her there, even though she's one of the most noted academics in this ideology. It's crazy. She's the most legit feminist out there. And my wife and I have this this fantastic argument, and I always lose arguments with my wife, but I consider myself a radical feminist, and I see the comments are going to freak out here. My wife considers herself an anti-feminist, because we both believe in really strong women that have the right to determine their own destiny. Mm-hmm. And that's what feminism used to be about. Yeah. And you know, my childhood intellectual hero was a woman, Ayn Rand. She turned me on to a lot of these ideas. And she was a badass who fled uh, the Soviet Union after her father's uh, business was stolen when she was still a teenager. And she ended up in Hollywood as a scriptwriter. That's badass. 
And that's my sort of heroic view of what women can be in modern feminism. And all of this stuff we're talking about, it is so anti-feminist yeah. in every single way. And, and back to Anna for just a second, that's, that's a heroic stand that she's taking because she's taking on her own audience. Her own woke audience is, is trying to destroy her. And, you know, it's one thing for, for us to criticize it. My audience isn't going to get mad at me if I criticize uh, wokeism. But, but she's got to deal with that. Yeah, they're going to lose a lot of money for doing so. That's a hero. They're, the Young Turks probably lost a lot of money by them coming out and saying this. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing. And I hope they lose more. Not because I want them to suffer or because I'm trying to be mean, but because they need to free themselves from the shackle of this cult. Yeah. And if they no longer have any incentive to try and please these people, and it seems like they're already shaking that off, maybe they'll stop pushing a lot of that garbage. Yeah. So good for them. I mean, what are the odds that she wants to jump ship anyways, right? Like if she's going to take this stance, she must know that Jenk's she puts herself... He is? Okay. Yeah. Out outright defending her and saying she'll, she's never going to apologize yeah, for this. Out. Yeah. And he agrees mm -hmm. with her. Uh, so I, I do think the main issue with the Young Turks is that they're duplicitous. You know, I can respect her making the statement, but they make fake videos about me and other people all the time. So it's not like I expect them to ever be good people or anything like that. But I'll give them credit where credit is due. Yeah. yeah. We, need to, we need to make these gains in the culture war and take what we can get when we can get it. So I don't know. I thought the Young Turfs was really funny. That is funny. I like your It's less offensive than the Young Turks. Like they named their organization after the Armenian genocide. It's crazy. Ember <laughs> Pasha. I like your take about being uh, an extreme feminist. I always say that my dad is the most is the biggest feminist I know. He's constantly telling me I'm, I can do things and that I'm capable. I don't like it. It's the worst. Uh, no, but I'm being serious. I feel like there are so many men, conservative men that I know, who are advocates for you know strong, capable women, and they believe that women are completely capable. It's the victim mentality that has crept into. Yeah this modern iteration of feminism that I just can't get behind. I don't understand why it would be appealing for, to anyone. I also just hate giving up words that, uh, that are packed with meaning and value. And, and, and we're, we always find ourselves like um, attacking the word justice or attacking the word <coughs> democracy or attacking, attacking the word community because it's been co-opted to mean something that it doesn't mean. And I, I think we should be feminists because we're pro-women. Yeah, and just just define what you mean, and don't let don't let the bastards steal our, our language from us. That's it's we're in the fourth wave of feminism, the word, but the word has different meanings in every wave. Yeah. The second wave of feminism is the one you're talking about. From the, that's the one I was raised with my mom. I was like, as a very young kid, I asked my mom, "Does feminism mean that women are better than men?" She said, "No, feminism means that men and women are equal." And that was all I needed. After it changed my so, life, I just like, oh, okay, I get it. So right now, it didn't make sense, but I got if it. If you ask a trans activist. They will use the phrase cis woman. But they want you, they say trans women are women. So just say woman. Cis women, however, are cis women. You see what they're doing? Yeah. They are, they are, they are taking the, 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 the normative term woman, applying it to themselves, and then making cis women the outlier, the other. Mm -hmm. The reality is if you're a man and you want to transition to a woman, you can be a trans woman and you're still a man. You never stop being a human. You're still a human. Like you don't end one to become the other. You become both. So it's very important to realize that women are women and, tr and they can also be trans men and women at the same time. Well, tr tran and, trans woman is a subcategory of male. Exactly. So you're a man and a trans woman, or you can be a woman and a trans man, but you, you don't like lose one when you try and like transit. You're still the same. You're still a human. You never stop being a man. You never stop being a human. You're still, I mean, even but, if you identify as a shoe, you're still a human. But this is like where the concept of dead naming came, comes in, right? Like if someone says, you know, now that I have accepted this identity and I, I believe I'm supposed to be like this, you should never refer to me and even 
reference. I don't want to see pictures of this person I was before. I mean, they they do feel as though they can completely leave behind you know this this well, part of themselves. And they I can. Think, they can do whatever they want, and I'll do whatever I want. But the whole like this is who I was before. Like it's still now. You're still you. You you are different, and you're still you. Like it doesn't. You know, it's I, I don't know. Like it's not like you you're no longer what you were. You're still you're still that and more now. So I. I but but Tim's point is like uh, we're not giving up the word woman. That's our word. We know what that means. That's and, our word. You can't say it. Yeah. Well, no, like. Cis, hat, cis, they're, they're slurs. If they're going to make the argument that trans women are women, then I'll make the same argument and say that you can't say cis woman. That's, that's, that's derogatory in the same way you claim it is, so your own logic negates your right to do so. That being said, I mean, like, trans woman it defines something. It is a biological male who identifies as female. There you go. End of story. You can't then say you are a woman. Well, you're a trans woman. There's a qualifier for that because you are different from woman yeah you can't be a trans woman if you're a woman you would right. you have to be a man to be a trans woman yes yeah and, and you have to be a woman to be a trans man so they're 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 playing with definitions i think for legal reasons because if they can switch get the culture to start arguing that woman includes males it changes civil rights law and then you see these like guys beating women in races and things like I, I understand. I don't want to project that future because it looks like people are waking up and, and kind of acknowledging how dirty it is for a guy to be like, I feel like a woman and I'm going to take your trophy, lady. Like, what the fucking hell kind of yeah. world is that? People get really annoyed about it when it's uh, when you have college athletes who are like not that particularly good. And then they come back and they said, actually, I identify as as female. And so they outperform everyone else. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. I think part of it is because they're basically saying, I realize that I could probably beat you guys and I don't want to downplay whatever psychological elements that come into this kind of decision making, but, you know, it does seem crazy that you would just say, like, I I think I deserve this and I will continue to compete as if I'm just as entitled to this position as you are when really I'm competing with advantages that you could never have. I'm very grateful that this girl came out and made that that statement. What was her name again? Did you have that? Uh, Hannah Aronsman. I'd love to have her on the show sometime. Taylor Silverman spoke out about this a long time ago, and it really improved her standing and career, as far as I can tell. She seems really happy about it and was really scared about speaking up about it, but she wasn't happy that people... Yeah, the she guys, works here. Yeah, she works with TimCast We uh, We've been trying to put a skate show together for a long time, but we need the new facility be, to be built, and it got delayed for so long that we were planning on having the show started like seven months ago. But now the building's nearing completion, so we may actually get that ball rolling. And then we have some other pro skateboarders in mind who are going to co-host the show. But I'm just like, we've got we've to we've provide support to people who are doing the right thing, standing up. And uh, Taylor is good people. She's super nice, you know, super chill, and just said, hey, it's not okay that, like, I, I would have got first place and made more money, but now it's being taken away from me. So we did this thing where... I wrote her a check. We did like a big fake check saying like, here's the difference. Here's what you would have won. And we paid that. And then uh, offered her a job and said, you know, why don't you host the skate show once we get it going? And then we'll get it going. I think one of the most important, there's, there's several things that we need to do if we're going to win a culture war. One, it's make culture. That's why we've been working on these projects. We have a video game in development. We've got the coffee shop in development. The new facility is going to include a bunch of new shows, a morning show with a bunch of ladies. We're going to do the skate show. We're going to do poker with the boys. Poker with the boys I am most excited about. That's going to be the best show ever. Because uh, during the members only show the other night, when we had Troy Nails on, Congressman, 
someone suggested like members of Congress need to do these things like AOC did with playing Among Us on Twitch and getting all these viewers. Why don't you do that? Well, I don't think it makes sense for like, you know, a late 50s or 50, 50s-ish, you know, member of Congress guy to be like playing a video game with some kids. But you get a Matt Gates, a Troy Nails, and like a Lauren Bobert playing a game of poker with a bunch of people, and they're, they're talking smack, and that's the kind of thing that's personable, mm-hmm. relatable, and culture building. Yeah. So that, that, that's another big component. The other thing is giving money to people who are doing good things, right? James O'Keefe does this. When a whistleblower would come out, he'd be like, we're going to give you a job. We're going to make sure that you do not get punished for being a whistleblower. And I'm like, I'm thinking the same thing. Taylor Silverman did the right thing. We want to do a skate show. We need a host. Perfect opportunity for a good person who has good principles and, and the courage to speak up to be given an opportunity. So let's make sure the people who are speaking up don't have that fear where it's like, this woman, Hannah Ahrensman, she's ending her career, her cycling career. Yeah. What does that mean for her, for her income? What does it mean for her future? There needs to be something for her now. So we need to figure out how to do that. Mm. How can we make sure that there are resources available to people who want to stand up and do the right thing? They do not get left destitute. I mean, especially in this case, I feel like she is officially ending her career, but her career is also being ended for her, right? If you're a competitive athlete like this, I mean, there must be a prize associated with each level. So if you can't place first, second, or third, then you are missing the potentially large payout that you need to fund the training and everything else that goes into this career. And the sponsorships that go with And the sponsorships go with it. I mean, I can't imagine that these brands are like, oh, I'll sponsor number four, the one who consistently comes in fourth. As, but it's sort of, you know, a rigged game. She's being forced out of this this income that she's built for herself, which, of course, as an athlete, there's a there's a clock on that anyway. You can't necessarily compete forever. It's just sad that this why is happening. Don't, why don't we just have transgender divisions? Why why is it that there was the Isaac Hennig, who, who was biologically female, competing against women, and then transfers to the men's team and says, now I'm not winning as much. Oh, so you so you acknowledge this. There's this lie among the left where they're like, there's no advantage to being male in sports. Then why are the where where are the females competing against males? Mm-hmm. There's like two, and they both acknowledge they don't do as well. Duh. Why is it only ever males competing against females? Because anybody who's sane understands this. And the, the problem I see with this, if I'm gonna go into a committee hearing and be like, as as a member of this committee, I cast my vote to say, obviously males will have physical advantages over females. And then the other guy sitting across the room goes, no, they don't. I vote against you. And I'm like, okay, we're not, this is not democracy. This makes no sense. Democracy does not work. We cannot function this way. If you have two people, one's insane and one's sane, you get nothing. Well, we don't want a mixture of sane and insane. We want sane. We want a sane system, but we have insane people voting for insane things for insane reasons. So you build a republic and you hope to God that people vote insane people. I guess yeah. if you get enough insane people, maybe they'll vote in a, an insane person. And they are. Somehow, somehow, but most of the people in Congress are way more sane than a lot of the crazy stuff I'm seeing on the internet. That's I don't see, like, crazy... I don't want to start blaming... I just want to see what happens with Gen Z, right? Like, I, I am so fascinated because, theoretically, they are marginally more conservative than generations before them, but also 15%, one in six, uh, identify as LGBTQ, I guess. So they're kind of divided among themselves. It seems like they are drifting in in tons of directions. Although I feel like we talk about this a little bit, like there are things that I think our generation feels differently about. Like we, there are a lot of millennials who feel more socially liberal, they take a fiscal conservative approach. Like they are not as rigid in their political stances as generations before them. Uh, 
I think Gen Z is going to be hard to predict in that sense because we feel like someone will stand, like you were saying before, someone will come to the service and say like, hey, let's not do this anymore. But I feel like there are enough components of that generation that believe really, uh, really intensely in the dogma of what they're being taught. Young, young people are always up for grabs. They're always trying to figure out who they are and where they belong. And it's not everybody's going to take the lead in figuring it out. And it's gonna be someone that they respect from their generation that steps out and maybe they maybe they quit cycling because of something insane and that becomes a defining moment in in their sort of figuring out where they belong and i, I just have a lot of confidence in people and i, I think i love it i love I, the I positivity i don't i don't think we're all crazy um we're not the people you see on twitter it's going to be okay you have a much too high opinion about members of congress i must say you got to rein that in. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm learning to love them because I've been spending time with them and hanging yeah, out. Be, be careful. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, but he's talking about like two members yeah, of Congress, yeah. like you know, Matt Gates. I keep talking about Matt. I love you, Matt. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand. Great. It's kind of like um, a club. Like you wanna, I, I like. I don't like alliances. I don't like cliques. And like, I feel like maybe when you get into Congress, first of all, it's way too big. It's not working right. It was made for like 80 people to be our representatives. There's 430 and they don't even know each other. It's disturbing. Like you walk around the halls of Congress, I won't see 95% of the con of the people or their offices because they're all over everywhere. I never saw them hanging out. It's like a big deal to get five Republicans together. Uh, so that's a big problem with Congress is it is way too big. They need well, to know each other and work together. The other together. problem is congressional districts keep getting denser and denser. Set what is it, 775,000 people for one rep? Good luck getting represented. Yeah, we need a severe overhaul the way we govern. I don't want to like rip the government apart, but it needs well, to there, change. We need there, to adapt. There is one alternative. I mean, maybe the answer is there needs to be less people. And we can maybe implement programs to encourage women okay, not to have Gates. children. And, Sickeningly, that you know, would do it. Making me nervous over there. Uh, that would be one, <laughs> one way to get there, I think. But Bill, Yeah, Bill Gates, huh? I think that if guy. people could represent themselves a little easier, because the whole purpose of sending a representative was so that they could represent you more effectively than you could represent yourself. But now with the internet, you have an opportunity to throw up an internet video, and that's full representation I mean, of who I am. Wouldn't that be a step? Wouldn't a step in that direction just be returning more power to the states, right? Because then you're being represented on a smaller level. I mean, at right now, you would, Tim is totally right, like, for each member of Congress, really, there's a, a huge number of people they're representing in the U.S. If you were to give them equal representation on a federal level, you'd make Congress even bigger. I think it'd be like 8,000 people. It would be insane. It would it would, yeah. it would be ridiculous. Or, they, they could or, never get anything Or, done. hear me out, crazy talk, what if we let people make more decisions for themselves? Interesting. Is, is, that, is that insane? But, uh, yes. How would, how would that work, right? So when we have woke people who are like filibustering this woman in, in, in Nebraska, demanding, demanding the, 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 the legal right to castrate children. It's like, okay, how far do we want to go with this? And how far does her decision-making powers go in this country? Are we talking about she can only affect her local jurisdiction? Then the question is, if I live in West Virginia and I hear that in Ohio, but to the hundreds, to the thousands, they're giving young girls mastectomies and sterilizing them. Do we just go, well, you know, I don't know, that's Ohio. We're not going to get involved in that. Or do we say like, hey, we got to stop that. So that like um, I always lean towards make, making sure that, that parents have more rights. And, and I, when I see school districts, which are government entities, when I see state politics or local politics intervene in that relationship where a lot of this stuff is coming from, I think that's the cancer 
that needs to be wiped out. And I think I think parents have to have that responsibility. I'm not saying that parents will get it right every time. Last night's show proved that. Um, but um, I trust parents more than politicians, and I absolutely trust parents more than these these interest groups that that are feeding off of this system. There's huge financial benefits to to all of these therapies and drugs and treatments. Um, that's all intertwined with government. And if we're going to unwind that, we have to shift power back to parents, power back to people, power back to communities to, to judge parents who aren't doing a good job. What, but how, who gets to define what a good job is, right? So the challenge is there is there's two arguments. The left argument is not cutting off the child's testicles is genocide. That's what this woman said outright. She said it is genocide. They genuinely believe, or at least they presume to believe, that they're saving children's lives. Well, by that argument, they're preventing a genocide. You're going to have a community of people be like, we're all here in agreement. Preventing genocide is bad. Therefore, we're going to sterilize a bunch of kids. I, I mean, I think that view is insane, and I think that parents would reject it. But uh, we're watching in California the embracing of it in mass. They're, they're, they're codifying it in law. In, I think, Washington, a child can get... They're codifying. That's, that's my point. But, like, but in, in Washington, I think it's Washington, a child can get gender-affirming surgery and medical intervention without parental consent. They can go to a doctor and just get it done. By law. By law. What if you gave... Uh, first of all, that is the opposite of what I'm talking about. What if you gave parents the rights to... Uh, it shouldn't even be a right. Like, parents are the, the, the governing body of, of their children. Did you see the video of Jazz Jennings we talked about the other day? Yeah, I listened to less. less what about show. parents like that? Do we give them the right? I, I think you have to err on the side of, of even, like, I, not in that specific case. I think that should be, I think you should intervene because that's, that's violence against a person. That would require state powers determining morality to intervene and stop parents who are doing things we deem bad. Or, or community stand like this. Community standards still protect life and property. This is where, you know, but, don't, but, don't don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Is but their not argument true is they're not. So the the challenge the challenge is, the system we have now is supposed to have a federal government which protects rights. And if we have a shared and cohesive morality, you do not allow a parent to do to jazz mm -hmm. what that woman is doing to that, that poor, poor human being. For those who are not familiar with the story, it's a viral clip of Jazz Jennings' mother saying she wakes Jazz up in the middle of the night, grabs a dilator, lubricates it, and says, stick this in or I will. I mean, that's the most hor it's horrifying. And then she even says, if she goes up to college and doesn't do this, I'll wring her neck. And it's just like, jeez. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. But among that community, they believe they're in the right. I believe the state should stop these insane people from, from committing what I believe. I mean, I, that, that, look, if an adult human being makes a decision to get surgeries and do whatever, I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's, that's, that's your life, right? You want to look like a cat and get implants in your face. But this, is, this, is, this child's been, in my view, tortured their whole life. 
They're depressed. They're morbidly obese. They're clearly not wanting to carry on with this. This is where I think the state needs to come in and save this person because it is on television. A woman saying, if you don't jam this in your wound, I will do it. And it's like, at what point is this physical abuse and psychological abuse? If you gave these people reins of their own community, they would keep doing things like this. There were, I mean, there were general mutilations going on in Dearborn, Michigan. We've talked about that was years ago. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a, that's, that, that's a challenge for me with libertarianism, where you make this argument that parents have the final say in the health care of their children. And it's like, OK, well, this lady thinks health care is cutting off her daughter's tits. Like, I disagree with that. And like, well, of course, we all agree that's wrong. Yeah, well, they don't. And if we send in federal authorities to stop them, they'll scream civil war. So I, that's why I'm like, I don't know what the, what the solution it's, to this is. It's a dilemma because um, some parents are going to get it horribly wrong. And, and my question is, if we say that the state is in charge of protecting children, what if the crazies get to write the laws mm -hmm. that start mandating um, these kinds of things? This, they, this, they're doing that. This right. was a conversation that... I, when I got really interested in libertarianism, it was when I was interested in, I thought I was going to go into foster care and like work on adoption law because there are all times that we agree there are children who are in incredibly dangerous situations with parents who are not fit to take care of them. And what do you do? Because if you believe in limited to no government, how do you also protect these children? And it was some this crux that I never got a clear answer on. I hate to say that because, again, with with transgenderism, it's a little bit different because people feel as though they are doing what's right as opposed to like, yeah, you know, more obvious. We can all agree this is a complete and total abuse. Uh, but what do you do? Make well, them wards of the state? Yeah, I mean, before before there was um, a welfare state, there were churches and other social institutions that emerged to and hopefully to, to they, help solve these problems. Yeah, and but there there is absolutely no perfect solution to a broken family. I know it's terrible because the thing is, like, you'd want to believe that a community organization, whether it's run by just the people of that community or their religious group, could also protect them. But ultimately, we know that's not always the case. And yeah. it just feels like, especially when you talk about young children, it's such a gamble and there's not a lot of time. You can't really say, oh, we'll try it with something with this batch and then we'll see if we get it right the next time because you obviously I, I just think that you're always better off with with local peer pressure and, and community institutions uh, making sure that children are okay. The further away you get from that child, all the way up to Washington, D.C., or, you know, God help us, some, some global thing that's going to emerge, um, they don't give a damn about that kid. No, yep. they don't. What about marketing, like corporations? Because television is local. It's in your house, but obviously the, the corporate headquarters is, could be in Kansas or wherever. So what are your, like... Uh, I mean, a, a corporation can't make you do what they want you to do unless they happen to be a pharmaceutical company that cuts a deal with the government to force you to take their product. Or like show a kid cartoons of a guy eating sugar when they're one. And then I guess it's up to the parent not to put the kid in front of the television yeah. to get indoctrinated by the corporation yeah. to buy their product. Or, or stop the food industrial complex from hijacking the government nutrition standards. Again, I'll always go back to some corruption where, where big corporations get in bed with big business. They buy access and they force you to do things that you didn't want to do. Obesity didn't come from nowhere. It came from, from those, those corporations hijacking that government process. We're going to go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show if you really do like it, because word of mouth is one of the most powerful things you can do to help. And go to TimCast.com, become a member by clicking join us, then join our Discord server, 
And if you get into the VIP chat, you can submit questions for our call-in segment, which happens in the members-only portion. At around 10, 10 p.m., the Uncensored show will go live. Hang out. It'll be a lot of fun. And then we'll take a handful of callers around 1030 who actually can ask us questions and our guests questions. It was really, really amazing the past couple of nights. We're looking forward to it. Let's read what we got. Christina H. says, band camp. Haha, that's right. Band camp banned us and uh, five times August and Bryson Gray because they're cultists. And they just never respond. Like, this is the craziest thing. They didn't even send you like a... you know, oh, you violated our terms of service. They because just we didn't. said nothing. They said, because we didn't break any rules. They're just, the cult is taking over these institutions. Mm-hmm. So be it. So be it. We're going to use alternatives. Maybe we'll build our own. Uh, head over to TrashHouseRecords.com and pre-order the song, which go li- goes live tonight at midnight. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be a lot on, of fun. You know, in March of 2022, Bandcamp was acquired by Epic Games. So it's actually Epic Games that banned you. Really? Yeah. Epic Games bought Bandcamp? In 20, and March Epic 2nd, Games is woke and crazy? Yeah. Almost, yeah. Wow. Apparently, I don't know. The cult is expanding. They are at war with you. They are gathering resources. They are buying things up. All right. All right, what do we got here? Bullseye Ben says, hey, Tim and crew, looks like our YouTube overlords are after y'all again. Keep up the great work. Yeah, it often seems that's the case. Wow, guess who owns 40% of Epic Games? Tencent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a, Ooh, that's Chinese. Yep. There's a, a YouTuber called uh, Moon, actually, who does a, a video about the ownership of a lot of these ma- major corporations that is actually owned by Tencent. He did a whole video on Tencent. If you guys want to go watch it, uh, he's a good YouTuber. Yeah. Anyways. That explains that we got banned from TikTok as well for no reason. Yep. Tencent. Yep. Yeah. See, that's why I'm saying I think China's doing a lot of this stuff. Yep. It's intentional. Here we are being like, go America. We got to push back. And then we get banned on these platforms. They, they are fighting a culture war, man. And you got people like Biden who are in on it. Yeah. Uh, Kellen said, uh, Epic Games is Fortnite for everybody, by the way. It's, uh, just, if you don't know what it is, Epic Games is Fortnite. So. Oh, wow. Noah Yelverton says, Tim won't read this, but I just wanted to say I agree with him that the terms left and right don't work anymore. But I think it's because people can't agree on what left wing and right wing is. It doesn't matter what they agree on what it is. It matters what it is. And the left and the right are tribal team names. That's it. It doesn't mean anything about your policies. It just means which team are you on? So when people are like liberal and left, it's like, well, all that really means is team name. I, I think we should call them like the screeching weasels and we can be the, the freedom faction. I love it. That's good. Those the are reing weasels. Names. The reing weasels. It's like, because like, are they left economically? Some of them, maybe. Are they like, I mean, like, is, is the Lincoln Project left? You know what I mean? Like they are of that same faction, but no. I don't know what they are. Never Trumper. They're authoritarian. Yeah. I think that's the dividing line. Authoritarian or not. Yeah. Collectivist. Cultist. Yeah. All right. Hamhawk says, Tim, I spent 10 years as a promoter, booker, and talent buyer in my region. Put on lots of concerts and even some small festivals. Would love to be a part of Trash House. Any use for someone like me? Probably. But I don't know if we're at that level yet. So we'll, we'll see when we get there. I want Trash House record merch. Carter we do. We have some. Already. Yeah, Carter was showing yeah. you today, and they yeah. look great. Where do you get it? Uh, I don't know yet. I don't, I don't know if it's. What do you want? I don't know if it's if, if it's. When you think about wearing it. something, like what is your first thought? Well, I like like big oversized T-shirts, and then Carter and I were talking about like tie dyeing them or doing different stuff, so they're like more custom. So, Amos I Moses cool. says, "How far in is Hannah Claire in the Fast and Furious?" 
Furiverse. Sorry, Fast uh, and Furiverse. I'm uh, I'm halfway through, and I like so like four or five. I'm on five, hmm. and I watched like several of them back to back, and then just burned out. Uh, but I, I I'm supposed. Sorry, I know that's sin in this room. Uh, I'm supposed to get to nine or ten before the next movie comes out. Oh, the next one should be Electric Vehicles. No, they're the only next, driving the next electric. That's what I was wondering. Like, are there going to be Teslas in it? Or like? it's going sure. back to its roots. They went completely in the wrong direction. I'm really disappointed. Because they had the last one with Charlie's Throne and like, you know, it's the submarine and going to outer space and all that stuff. And now it's like a street race. And it's like, okay, I guess. Are you a Fast and the Furious guy? Oh, yeah. I haven't really? seen the new one, though. Which one is your favorite? The new one is in 10 that just came out? or, or that, that, that's, not, that's not out yet. I'm not it's right. not yeah. out yet. No. no, but you saw the last one, right? When that yeah, went that outer space. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Which See, one's like, the best one? The, the space one. The space what one? Do what do you think is the best one? I don't know. They're all yeah. great. Where and they you, got John Cena in it now. I, I just love the when the family gets together at the end. That's the best part. Yeah. yeah I, whenever I like mention I have to like do this challenge for pop culture crisis, people are like, it's all about the family. And I, I love but, that as an idea. I just don't want to watch the rest of the movie. DC has one of the best established universes in literature, in, in fiction. Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, all of these great story arcs. The, the Justice Lords arc. I love it. When Superman becomes evil and becomes a dictator and takes over the planet, there's, there's a couple versions of it. One is like the Joker drugs him and he kills Lois or something like that. And then Superman is like, if only, you know, like you let me kill him or whatever. And then he goes nuts and then he just starts killing all of the, like there's great story arcs. And they couldn't make a movie series. They couldn't do it. It was all garbage. Then you get some old 2000s movie about street racing and they've turned it into the Avengers. You know what? They deserve it. They deserve it. I want to see Dom get superpowers. Argument. I get that. I just like, I guess I'm not enough of a car person to appreciate it. But It's not about cars. Sorry. I don't it's think about, about cars. They went out of space. Sorry, I forgot. It's about family. Did it start off as about cars, though? They're like, sort of. I mean, it's like a central theme, right? They're street racing, and then they're like stealing cars. And yeah, the first like couple game. was about street racing. With, and like I'm they still, talk about like engines and like but now the there CCs are, of the see, engine. I'm still in that part of this where it is, it is like... There's stuff going on, but it's largely about the car chase scenes. Like then I'm about to like, transition into the second is the, half. Is the rock there yet? Because then what happens um, is they get they get yeah. tapped as like a crack team of, you know, special agents to get the job done. And then, you know, the rock is like, We need your help. And then, you know, then you got uh, Shaw, who's like this bad guy, Jason Statham, but then he becomes a good guy or whatever, and then his sister or something, and Charlie's Thrones in it. Like they're getting all these celebrities in it. It's like better than the than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I want Transformer crossover or superpowers. Let's I'm read some more super I just think that like one blonde guy and that girl should just get married by now. Like that's what's bothering me. Yeah, they like, save they it just, to the end. Probably they need to commit. Well, it's hard like to do. It. When it's about you're family. Out. Yeah, then put a ring that, on that's it. The point. Let's, let's, yeah, let's make some moves right. here. Ghostface says Ian rolled a negative one with that take on Obama. Which one? When you were like Obama should be allowed oh, to murder children be because he was oh, the president. Oh God, uh, I just don't want to start persecuting. And, and arresting former presidents. I think you mentioned that earlier too, Matt. It, it just starts a cycle of yeah, but crap. I think the that. cycle is getting worse because we don't do it. They have no fear. They're mm -hmm. like, when I get in, I can do whatever I want and get away with it. And like they're going after Trump because he he's accused of paying a woman not to talk about having sex. That's it. Jeez. Oh, By the way, it, sh it shouldn't be a president. It should be freaking Congress, which has the responsibility of declaring war and has the responsibility for holding the executive branch in check. It should be done that way, but it, they will never do it. And Ian, that one gamer says Anwar was killed September 30th, 2011. Abdul Rahman was killed October 14th, 2011. 
Anwar was already dead for almost a month. Wow. So it wasn't even sending his dad a message. No, it was just killing the family. Yeah, I appreciate the super chat with the negative one because it's a it's a hard thing to talk about, like whether a president should have the ability to just drone strike random people around the around the earth. That's kind of. Yep. Tony Ty says, hey, Tim, I'm really feeling the member segment after IRL, especially with the call in questions. I was wondering if y'all could go a little bit longer or maybe take calls off the bat. Um, we actually have been going longer. They've been going about 10 minutes longer with the call-ins, so we've been splitting 20, sec 20 minutes of uncensored uh, show, 20 minutes of, of talk. I think it's a good balance. There's a lot of people who just want the, the cussing and the jokes and the serious topics, and then I think a lot of people are really big into the um, call-ins. I think the call-ins may be the best value uh, that we can bring to you guys as members. I think that takes the members-only segment to a whole new level of, of community building, of value, uh, opportunity, and all that. I, I'm really excited for it. And, that, and again, Ian's idea, very good idea. Oh, my gosh, I love it. We could, I mean, we could technically have a call going the entire night and just, because we go off and start riffing while you're on there's the call. A, there's a lag. It's, it's, for the people who are listening, it's like, it's hard to talk back and forth. Oh. Yeah. Well, we got to figure that out. Because, we, we, like, radio shows have call-in producers who will be like, hey, you're on now, go. Whereas we don't. So what happens is when someone calls in, they don't know when to talk because the show has a delay. Right. Plus, we're on, we're going through the internet. They're just using a phone network, so it's a lot easier for them. All right. OMG Puppy says white phosphorus and depleted uranium are both war crimes done by NATO in Belgrade and Iraq. Even NATO troops in Serbia got cancer from the uranium dust. Now Britain sending depleted uranium to Ukraine. Yeah, we're heading that w that way, baby. It's gonna get bad. Pat Meadows says Obama executed an American citizen who was a minor. That he did. Yep. Barack Obama, vote for me. We'll blow up kids. Gotta blow them up. Too many of them. Are you auditioning for Freedom Tunes right now? No, that actually was Seamus's joke. You're hired. Gotta blow them up. Too many of them. Seamus never made that cartoon, though. He's gotta do it. Seamus. Barack Obama. Where is he at? Seamus, get over here. Yeah, no, he's like, we keep telling him to come, and then he's just like, meh. He's like, I don't want to come. The weather's yeah. nice now, Seamus. You can come back. B Pace says, Tim, you're you're wanting the president to be treated like every other citizen. That sounds very libertarian. Are you and Ian open to supporting libertarianism? If so, why haven't you? I'd like your thoughts. Uh, the Mises Caucus guys are great. We 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 are we've been talking all day about Dave Smith. Um, I would love to see. I, I'm, I'm he's going. Do you know if he's going to announce he's running or whatever? I'm waiting. Uh, you know, I don't want to. Uh, there, there's there's actually legal reasons not to. Right. I have no idea if he's going to run or not. But once you announce, then you have to raise hard dollars, and it's a nightmare. Michael Malice, press secretary. I'm a, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm so excited. Huge advocate of libertarianism in general. I get concerned about it as a political party because I find interventionism is valuable a lot of times. A lot of times, this whole like hands off. If we ignore it, it'll go away. Problem. The kind of thing I don't I don't get down with. I am speaking May 13th at the take with the Take Human Action Tour dot com. Uh, it's uh, the Mises Caucus. I believe it's Mises Caucus putting yeah. it on. And, and that's I, in Oakland. And I think we, uh, I would love to, I'm not sure what, what the deal is, but do some kind of debate slash forum when the Libertarian Party has, like, announces and they're in full swing. I'm assuming it's going to be Dave Smith. We don't know because he hasn't announced or, or whatever. It may be Dave Smith with Maj Touré as VP, which is just, it's amazing. And Michael Mouse is a press secretary. I just would love to do a sit down Big show, get an audience to come in, get a big venue and do something. Maybe set up some kind of debate or, or something. I think it'd be fantastic. How do, you, how do you guys feel about Justin Amash? Because there's still some question about whether or not he runs. I don't know him. I don't know much about him. I've heard good things, but uh, 
Nah, I think he's a, he has like a. I'm pretty sure he had like a bad track record during the Trump administration. But I have to look into it because I'm willing to, to to review these things. It's been a really long time. I haven't followed too much. I've had a bunch of people because he switched to, from Republican to Libertarian. Yeah. So I've had Libertarian people tell me this is actually good and to take a look. But the the only thing I really remember from his tenure was that he was like never Trumper, like just like. And that was his bid. Oh, the Republican Party is bad and Trump. So I quit. And it's like, well, now look where we are. That's real great leadership. But I like Dave Smith. And Dave Smith's been, you know, against Trump for a long time. But I can respect someone who's got that, the position. So, I'm, you know, I'm willing to take a look into Amash's I think Justin arguments. was one of the first uh, to adopt minds when we built the website. He was like on it early. I think so. He was in something very early where I realized he was like red-pilled and awake as to what was going on like in 2011 or 2013 or something. I'd love to interview him and talk to him. He'd, he'd be interesting to have on. And he was absolutely um, anti-Trump as a member of Congress, uh, but he has a, a long career before that. So if that one thing is a deal killer for you, it's worth looking nah. at what, he, what he's willing to do. Yeah, it's not, you know. Like, Dave Smith rags on Trump all the time, and I think Dave Smith's great. You know what I mean? Like, Luke rags on Trump all the time. I, I don't care if people are mad about Trump. I just care that they have real arguments behind why they're mad about Trump. And so Dave, and we had the, talk, the discussion about foreign policy and all this stuff, and he's right about a lot of it. And I'm like, I can respect that, absolutely. I just have a slightly different opinion. Like, if we got a leftist to come in here, like, we're, we're having Destiny on the show next week, and I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think he's a good dude. I disagree with him on stuff. And I think he's good at what he does. He makes good arguments, but I think... You know, I think he's good at arguing. He's good at debating. Um, I disagree. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is like if he comes in here and he's like, well, don't you think X, Y and Z about transgender surgeries? And I'll be like, I don't. And I'll be like, well, what about this? That? Well, I guess we just disagree on that. And that's fine. We're like we're allowed to disagree as long as you have an argument and reasoning behind it. Like, I'll argue with you. And if you say something like deep within my soul, I personally feel abortion should be legal. I'll be like, well, how do you argue? There's no argument. Someone just says, I feel like based on my morals and, and stuff. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, rather than trying to come out as a victor in the debate, the debate itself is the victory, in my opinion. The mm -hmm. conversation, the pleasant, you know, that's that's the key. Yeah, if like the end result is, you know, like we had a lot on the show and he was talking about why he's in favor of intervention and stuff. He's saying because we don't want a multipolar world. We want the U.S. to be on top so that it prevents war and, you know, it, it, and these horrible things. So the U.S. doing the th blah, 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 blah. And I don't want to, you know, overstate what he was saying because I don't want to uh, put wrong words in his mouth. But I'm like, I got mad. Like, we, I, we, I was yelling at him. I was pissed off. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, the foreign policy of this country, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, in the end, like, he's been on the show several times. He, he reports for us on the ground. He's allowed to have that opinion. And he has reasons behind them. He's explained them in great detail. And I've argued with him, and I got really angry. But, like, that's fine. Well, and you want the diversity of thought. Like, if he oh, is absolutely. reasonable and well-informed, even if you don't agree with him, it's better to have him talking than oh, to just have people saying, like, oh, yeah, I agree with you. Excellent. He's such a neocon. I know. He's, he's a Bolton bro with his mustache. He's a Bolton bro with his oh. mustache. Yeah. I know what he's saying. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I hear you a lot, even like if no one else does. <laughs> yeah, he's a Bolton bro. He got the mustache. Oh and my gosh. His mustache is off the chair. Sir, do you want to defend mustaches? Yeah, we, and we came up with that, Elad. You know we came up with that, but Bolton whatever. Bolton bros. Oh, yeah. yeah I was, think that was, was technically Serge. It wasn't, Surge, it wasn't yeah. even really like serious. But I'm he sorry. You also have so. a mustache, Matt. Are you, I, I, are you in I, favor I, of John Bolton? I'm not Team Bolton. Every man in this room has a mustache. I'm reporting live from Bolton bro headquarters. I mean, the only redeeming yeah, but thing he's got about a, Bolton is his mustache. His mustache is so <laughs> awesome. Everything else is morally repugnant. So, Bushy, do you think he smokes pipes? It's a little brown. <laughs> he just sort of looks like a walrus to me, like, his but voice in a pleasant way. Was all not right, what all I right. expected. Let's, it was uh, like more manly let's, let's read. His voice. 
Marvin Carlson says depleted uranium is toxic, mostly as a heavy metal like cadmium. Tungsten can also be used instead of depleted uranium. Uranium is easier to machine and less expensive than tungsten. We use depleted uranium nose weights in 727s. Wow. Interesting. Infernal Saxon says depleted uranium has a self-sharpening property. Yeah. And when it it's searing hot, so when it penetrates the tank, it ignites gases inside and then causes it to become an inferno. Jeez. Yep. All right. Mike Gibson says, I was in the Army Signal Corps in the 90s. Outstanding orders if we had to abandon our equipment, namely two grenades in the switch, burnal documentation. Someone ordered the troops to leave that equipment intact. Whoa. That's, yeah, man. So in the switch, I imagine that means like in a vulnerable position within the tank or what in the, in the thing. I don't know what that term means, but you definitely you use two grenades to blow it up. Make sure they can't be used again. I've also heard they use thermite, which is a military and grade um, incendiary that you can use to melt steel beams. Jeffy, Jeffrey Grajic says, Ian is the modern day Diogenes. He practiced being ridiculed by walking backwards into a theater exit while others were exiting. Keep asking the hard questions regardless of what others say about you. That's awesome. He's Diogenes the Cynic. Is that who it is? Yeah. A Greek philosopher, one of the founders of cynicism. I like it. Yeah. I um, humiliated myself on purpose. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but after it started to happen, I realized it kind of gave me strength of character. Clef the Misfit says, how the hell can you say DeSantis is weak when he smacked down Biden, Fauci, Disney, teachers unions, and the Florida GOP establishment, taking near king-like control of the state? We need Luke back to set you straight to him. I will explain. Because I've already pointed out, policy-wise, he hits the nail on the head with the hammer. But in terms of his, his character, his personality, that's what I'm talking about. Trump did, didn't have the policy. Like, get rid of Fauci. Don't do the lockdowns. Policy, fail. But he has the screw you, you can't tell me what to do. He had good policy, like securing our borders, bringing jobs back, and foreign policy was exquisite. I don't necessarily know what DeSantis will do on foreign policy. There are fears that he might go neocon. I don't know if that's fair to say because we just don't know. My point is this. Ron is getting it done on paper, but then when he's standing in front of the, ca- in the cameras, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos put it well. I don't know if you saw his comment. He said he has the charisma of something moist, like when you're reaching for something and accidentally touch a wet sponge. Like, it was very well put. It's funny. Like, DeSantis doesn't have the same kind of gravitas as Trump. That's what I'm saying. The strength of character, of, of personality. I think policy-wise, he's getting it done perfectly. So that's why I'm saying, like, what do, what do we need more of, you know? All right, where are we at? Convincing reality says not everything everyone does revolves around Trump. That's blinkered. DeSantis has actually made moves in his state, hasn't declared himself for the presidency, and he isn't, and he isn't Trump's campaign manager. Yeah, I know. I like DeSantis. You know, we'll see what happens. If he ends up winning, I'll vote for him. Sparky says DeSantis just changed his mind in Piers Morgan and is now pro-Ukraine war. I saw that too. You see, that's what we're worried about. What did he say? Why he was pro-Ukraine? I don't know. You want to look it up? Because he was saying like we shouldn't be involved and then the media attacked him for it. And then he came back like, oh, they're misinterpreting what I'm saying or something like that. Michelle Corley says DeSantis sold out to rhinos. He has ruined his career. President Trump is the one. I like Trump. I'm just saying like, what if we had four years of Trump then we had eight years of DeSantis? Maybe it just seems cool. impractical that we get three consecutive Republican terms. For sure. Yeah. But like I said, I don't think Trump will run again after this. You have to take age into account. If you think potentially he's good, maybe this is his term. And DeSantis has a future. He's still really young. Sparky says DeSantis was anti-Ukraine war on Tucker's questionnaire, but just changed to pro-Ukraine war on Piers Morgan. 
Hmm. What I'm reading about is he referred to it as a territorial dispute, uh, and then now he's maybe walking that, that he's walking back that characterization. So in the beginning, it sounds like he, he saw it kind of like I do, which is that the Russian Federation is attempting to colonize Crimea and take roads into Sevastopol, the Donbass, because they want that trade port in the Mediterranean, territorial. It's not a genocide. None of this, like, we're going to kill those people kind of thing. They want, they want trade. That's what it looks like. But uh, maybe he's, he's walked that back a little right. deeper. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, it's now or we're all dead. I can't help but agree with that statement. The downward spiral is real and it's here. Damn it, Ian. Decisions, decisions. Yeah, dog, but don't. I do not like using fear as a motivation. It's not like do it or else. Use this because that one sucks. I don't like that crap, but it is a desperate. And we need to work together fast and accurately now. Tyler Bratton says, due to federal employee protections, the president did not have the power to fire Fauci. Uh, who did we have on? We had someone on who said that wasn't true. Uh, I think it was Matt Gates actually. Someone said that you, you, you don't fire them, you isolate, and then a month later, they're gone. It's like, you can fire them, it can be done. Yeah, it like, it was, it was Gates? That was Gates yeah. yeah, like, you can, you can take any federal, federal employee and then completely isolate them from every position, and then within a month, they're terminated. You could certainly marginalize them. And, and yeah. Part of the problem is that we gave him the microphone, and, and it was Fauci, the Fauci show. Oh, wait, and yep. Trump's standing behind him, like, yeah. looking, you know, yeah. I don't know what Trump was thinking. Or maybe he wasn't at all. Addison Miller says, I live in Alaska and we've been fighting for years to expand development. The problem is most of the land is owned by the Fed or is a national park. I think we got to invade and occupy Alaska. That was uh, Daniel Turner and Jack Posobiec talked about that. Occupy Alaska. It's like it's American territory. Mm -hmm. It's massive. It's a third the size of the United States. And we're just not doing anything with it. Like, there's tons of opportunity up there. I keep thinking about fusion, and I wanted to ask you about it, Matt, because you've talked a lot about energy independence. And it's a little bit off topic. We only have a few minutes left. But do you think it's like a path that we should head towards? It's too dangerous for people to have that? Um, I don't know. But I would love to have an environment where that sort of entrepreneurial innovation was allowed to happen and, and let uh, science and entrepreneurs figure that stuff out. Maybe Elon can figure it out. Dradmax says, Tim, I'm still in the Peewee membership level and want to upgrade without canceling and resubs resubscribing. Please take my money. Um, yes, uh, we, I, think, I think the issue is that we have instructions on how to do that in the Discord. So I'll, we'll, we'll make sure that's in the, the standard lounge for any member to, to hang out to see the, the, the pin instructions. Let's make sure we can do that. So um, here's what we're doing. We're doing two things with that. Because I mentioned like, the purpose of the $25 level to get access to the VIP room or six months is because we don't want to make people spend more money to get access, but we also need a way to control for bad actors who are going to try and come in and screw things up and get us banned. And uh, that's a reality no matter what we do, but for the voice chat, we, we have to be a bit more strict. But what we're going to do is we're going to create what we're calling, I guess, like the silver lounge, which is if you pay 25 bucks, not only do you get access to the VIP chat room for Collins, but you will get a special $25 level because otherwise, it's just like, what are you really getting for the money other than, you know, and then after six months, you can reduce your membership now that you're, you know, you've, you've passed that gate or whatever. Then with the elite club, this is the more costly social club element we're building out. It's a hundred bucks a month for this room, but we're giving people access to testing out apps and games, early access to the stuff we're working on. So you're, you're basically like in the club. So when we are like working on song stuff, like, We'll maybe we'll like, here's a part of a new song we're working on. You'll get direct access to all the internal stuff we're working on, like top secret stuff. And that one is a combination of we want to build like a social club and a physical space that comes with the coffee shop we're building. And we also uh, need to be able to trust 
a certain level of trust that like, hey, if we share with you like a something, you don't, you know, leak it or whatever. Like here's a new song we're working on and all of a sudden it's like ends up on the internet or whatever. Yeah, because tonight I want to play uh, Bright Eyes on the after show, but it's just a little premature and it's coming out at midnight. Maybe it'd be cool we'll to put show it, We'll play it for the elite Discord We'll give we'll we'll put it in there somehow or yeah. something. The elite members will get to listen to the song tonight. All right, everybody, if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and become a member by going to Timcast.com, clicking join us, getting on the Discord, and then we're gonna have that members only uncensored show coming up in about ten minutes, where we will take your calls. Should be a lot of fun. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL. You can follow me personally at Timcast. And um, what else do I need to say? Is that, is, that, is that everything? Oh, yeah. TrashHouseRecords.com. Pre-order the song. It's coming out at midnight. And so we need to do a big push all next week because we're going to try and get on Billboard again. Four, four in a row. Maybe we don't. But the last three songs have all got on Billboard, so we're three for three. It'll be awesome if we're four for four and we keep rubbing their faces in it. Because they, they, when, we, when, when we send out emails being like, hey, new song was released, we actually got some of these corporate press outlets saying F you. Like, literally, like, screw you, F off. So... We'll see. Uh, Matt, you want to shout anything out? Sure. Uh, I'm going to shout out my friend Matt Battaglia, who's our executive producer. He has a new book out, a comic book, House on Fire. It's a dystopian story about this unbelievable world where the government tells you that you can't leave your neighborhood, that they make it very difficult to find uh, the medicine that your wife needs, and, and otherwise living in this unbelievable dystopian future that sounds a lot like America today. And you can find this at your favorite shop, and you can also find this on the big guys like Amazon. Uh, go to freethepeople.org if you want to check out our videos, and we also have some cool merch there as well. Ooh. Right on. I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. You should go to, uh, you should follow at TimCastNews on Instagram and Twitter. It's great. You can see a lot of work from our journalists, all of it really, and including a review of House on Fire by Chris Bertman, who uh, is an awesome member of our news team. So go there, follow them. If you want to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at hannahclair.b and on Twitter at hcbrimlow. Thanks so much. Chris Bertman, also an excellent actor, by the way. Nice job, Chris, on the Cast Castle. Yeah. I like your work. Matt, always a pleasure, man. Great stuff. House on Fire. Check it out. And I want to just, this in from uh, Carter Banks. If you guys want to get merch tonight, Trash House Records, it is trashhouserecords.creator-spring.com. And that's trashhouserecords.creator-spring.com. You can rewind the video if you need the link. And we're definitely getting to the point now where we want to expand into other artists doing more music than just like the four songs we've put out. We've put, we, we put out, this is our third song put out through Trash House. Will of the People was put out a couple of years ago. Those first three songs, Will of the People and then the two we put out, did really well on Billboard. Hopefully this next one does with your help, but then we can actually start finding more music and, uh, you know. Yeah, Landon Starbuck last night played some of her music for us. It was incredible. Her voice is amazing. It was beautiful. So Bill and Culture. Oh, We're going to yeah. get it. We will do that, and we will do that tonight at TimCast.com. See you then. Yeah. Uh, join uh, the website. Video or video chat us like uh, what what is it called like phone in yeah phone in phone guys. in yeah phone in uh, mm. I'll see you there bye all right everybody we will see you all at timcast.com in about ten or seven or so minutes to be on the front page you'll see it uncensored after show click it it'll be live and if you're in the Discord we will take some of your calls thanks for hanging out we'll see y'all there. <laughs>